Hey guys, this is the Origin Story Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Henry Harris. A couple of things before we get rolling. Uh, today's guest is Will Haraway. And Will is part of two bands, the Haraway Brothers and the Sundogs. And I want to let you know this is coming out on uh, Wednesday, January 9th. Tomorrow night, January 10th, the Haraway Brothers are playing at Eddie's Attic in Decatur, Georgia. I know a lot of the listeners are in the Atlanta area. I'm sure you're already familiar with Eddie's, but if you're not, it's a really great venue. It's intimate. It's a listening room until it's not when it gets rowdy. Uh, and I am really excited about this show. I'm going to it. My wife Peggy's going as well. So come join us. I just checked. There are tickets still available, but my guess is there's not that many of them left. There are even a couple of tables available, I think. So grab a table. That's uh, You have to buy four or multiples of four tickets there. That guarantees you uh, a place to sit down. Uh, but either way, it's a, it's a great venue, and I'm sure it's going to be a great show. So I hope you guys will join uh, join Peggy and I on that. Uh, if you went to the Pinecone Turkey book launch for 12 Authors, 12 Stories, 2018, you saw Will perform. So you know how talented he is. So I hope you guys will uh, will support. Uh, big thanks to Nick Tukoski and Mike Johns of Rye Club Atlanta for hosting, helping host that party. At the Highland Inn and Ballroom, it was a great success, tons of fun, so uh, gratifying to see so many friendly faces. Thank you for the support for the book and for Pinecone Turkey in general. Uh, something we talk about, Will and I talk about in the podcast, is our, our future collaboration with the very podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, generally, you know, I get to have uh, discuss the origin story of superheroes from all walks of life. And Will and I are going to be talking about the origin story of uh, a couple of pieces of, of new work. Uh, Will is going to talk about some songs that he's doing. I'm going to talk about a book that I'm trying to write. And so it'll be the origin story of, uh, of some art. And uh, that'll be every other podcast. Uh, we'll also still do our general, normal kind of uh, the origin story podcast with, uh, with uh, people like Will. Uh, so I don't want to... Make it too long of an introduction. Uh, I think you'll get a lot out of Will's interview or our conversation. He's an awesome, awesome dude, talented man, and uh, very open about process. And uh, he's got a cool backstory. And so I think you guys will enjoy it. So without any further ado, Will Haraway. It's my favorite part of every superhero movie. It's the origin story. And everybody has one. Welcome to Pinecone Turkey's The Origin Story Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Henry Harris, and it's my privilege to interview superheroes from all walks of life to find out how they got from A to B, to see where they might be going next, and how we all can learn from their journey. Will Haraway. Yes, sir. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yes, sir. So the last time I saw you, you graciously agreed and played some songs for uh, the Pinecone Turkey book release party. Yes. Thank you for doing that. You are welcome. That was a blast. Uh, tell me about the experience from your end. Oh, it was really fun. Um, I, what I loved most about it w was you, I personally don't ever get to see readings, and I love it. You know, I think it's such a cool thing, and uh, especially... It's probably cool for the writers too, because writing is such a private thing. You know, you're, you know, it's work. You yeah. know, as you know, it's you, you, it's you and your computer or you and your notepad, and you don't get to like express yourself beyond that writ page. So I really enjoyed seeing those guys, especially I, I think Benji was the was that his name, the first guy. Yeah, Benji Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, Benji. he was great. Just he really performed his part. Yeah, you know. 
So from my perspective, I really loved that, and it was inspiring. Um, and just uh, following their lead in, and you and I had sort of planned this in advance to, to try and tell, sing songs that also had stories behind them. Right. was fun. And then what I loved about it most was that, you know, when people sit and listen to a reading, it's almost like you're training their ears to pay attention and listen. You know, nobody was staring at their phone. Nobody was, you know, their, their, their eyes riveted to these people talking. And then I get up there, and it's like they're already in the mood to listen. Right. They were know. trained a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, sometimes a rare thing when you're doing music. And is, is, that what, is that the preference? Is that the, like, like you want whatever, you know, quote, unquote, a listening room? Or do you want people thrashing their bodies around dancing? Or does it depend on the venue and the gig and what you're trying to yeah, do? Yeah, I think it What do you prefer? I think it depends. But I, I will say that as I get older, I think that I like the listening room a, a little bit more, both as a – I mean, I like it all. But, but you know, um, I, I, I've recently um, gotten to see a bunch of acoustic shows with funny people doing, you know, self-deprecating and, and, and telling stories in between. Um, and you and I have talked about that, you know, seeing Patterson Hood, who's, you know, one of my very favorites, you know, uh, I've seen him do this for years. And it's really inspiring when somebody does it well. Yeah, it makes, I mean, honestly, it's so much fun. You have just as much enjoyment right. in between the songs as you do during the song. Yeah. How do you, how do you get better at that? How do you practice that? Reps. Yeah. You just got to keep doing it, you know. Um, but, but I can tell you, so um, there's a festival down in uh, Florida. And it happens every year. It's called the 30A Songwriters Festival. I've heard of this. I've never been, but I've heard. It's really great. And it's coming up in uh, a couple, three weeks, three weeks. Uh, it's Martin Luther King weekend down, down on 30A. So I knew about this festival and, uh, and understood that it was that type of thing where like every room was supposed to be a listening. Every room was Eddie's Attic, or at least as close as they could make it to being Eddie's Attic, which, uh, and, and to be able to kind of tell these stories. And as I got into this, I was like, man, I want to. I want to be in on this. I want to be in on this. So after a couple years of trying, we got in on it last year, which was which was lovely. And and I'll never forget like the first of the well, first we did two Sundog shows, which were, you know, the loud, drunken, you know, dancing audience member, you know, things that you come to expect and it's super fun and I'm not knocking that at all. It was wonderful. But I'm used to that. That's great. You know, it's just like you know, going to see the truckers or widespread panic or whoever. I mean, that's on a much smaller scale, obviously, but still super yeah, fun. Yeah, same raucous atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's a party. It's supposed to be. And that's yeah. what you're, you're there to kind of make the party. But in this situation, like, we showed up at this place um, called The Rep, which is – actually, you should check it out because it's, it's a very small, like, I want to say 75 seats. It's a soundstage. It, it's really definitely for – a small play or cool. to act out scenes. And, and it's right by Modica Market or kind of behind Modica Market in Seaside off of 30A there. And it's just this beautiful little spot. I never even knew it was there, and I've been going to Seaside for years. Oh, yeah. Like they gave me the, like, show up at the rep at 4.30. On Is there a professional theater company based out of there, or do you I, know? I don't know. I'm okay. I would assume there's at least one, though. I mean, just right. I mean, this thing was – it's a nice place. They definitely have stuff going on there. Cool. But, but we showed up, and, like – all of these people started filtering in, and it wasn't our friends who were there who actually didn't get in, which was which was kind of funny. They just they <laughs> yeah. wasted their time and didn't get there on time. Right. And the seats filled up. We didn't really know what to expect either. You know, it was like this was our very first show that we had done, and I mean they were just sitting there, 
and we had three stools and the lights kind of came up and it was like they're sitting there and and i can't speak for the other guys but i was like hell yes <laughs> okay yes you want me to tell you some damn stories i've got some stories that is so cool so yeah. who did you play with Oh, with my brother uh, and with John, uh, John Harris, who plays guitar in the Sundogs, and Lee, okay. Lee plays, uh, you know, guitar in the Sundogs. But for this, he did the pedal steel, and I played acoustic, and John played acoustic, and we just, you know, kind of traded off songs, the three of us. So, what did you did you do anything differently uh, last year when your application or not application? I don't know how it works, but how does it work? So, like, why did you get in oh, last year? You think, and not the previous times you were trying to get in? You know, I how do you get in? Uh, well, it's hard uh, because, and, and, and I think we got in just at the right moment because now it, it really, the, the word is out. It's sold out already. It's sold out like two weeks ago, you know. Um, and um, if you look at the, the list of performers this year, it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, it was extraordinary last year because it was Emmylou Harris and Steve Earle. Granted, legendary performer, performers, but, but kind of on a, to a certain type of person. Right. I mean, everybody kind of knows who Steve, Steve Earle is, but, but you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but now it's like they've got Jason Isbell, who is, you know, kind of a superstar now. He's yeah, won a couple Grammys. Younger audience. And yeah. And, and, and the reason he is going, I am 100 percent sure, is just for the vacation aspect of it. Sure. Like he and his wife are both going. You know, and so like they'll be on the main stage and doing whatever. But it's you know, driving and crying is back. Um, I know they're not like super you know uh, national act like they used to be, but but um, it's guys like Gregory Allen Isakoff, who's this this songwriter that I love out of South Africa, who has performed with the Denver Symphony Orchestra, you know, at Red Rocks, like type guys like that. Like he's coming, and, right? You know, and um, so it's tough. I, I think we got lucky. In that, um, and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into some of this. Is that is that uh, it was Tom Petty had just died. We do that Tom Petty show. Right. We had just done that Tom Petty show. I had invited the. Uh, I was doing everything I could to get in this, and it's Russell Carter who uh, who lives in, or he, at least he used to live in Druid Hills. Um, and I didn't know him. Russell Carter so is the guy who puts on the 38th yeah, festival? Yeah, and he, he managed or used to manage, I don't remember, but Sean Mullins and Co okay. Collective Soul and that, that sort of – Gotcha, that, 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 that Atlanta if, scene. If you think back to that, yeah, that 90s group of, of, of folks that came out of here, Sister Hazel maybe, I think. Okay. So very successful, you know, guy, and, I, and they asked him to put on this festival, and so he did, uh, and I was trying to – get us in and just trying to get to know this guy. So I would invite him to shows like, just come to the show, just come to the show. Just cold call or did you know anybody who no, knew I him? Mean, or yeah, just yeah. We, we networked around and okay. he, I would get answers back from him. And, and uh, we finally, we actually did not get him to come, but we got his son to come to the, to the petty show we did that when it snowed last year. Vista when, Room. No, actually this one, well, we did two in, oh, okay. in two weeks. And one of them was with Smith's when it snowed, but we still sold it out and people came. That was really That's awesome. That's impressive. And then two weeks later, we did Vista. And because of the fact that, that Petty had died, they wanted to celebrate that in some way. So they invited us to come and do that. And then also invited us to do the Haraway Brothers, which we had just put out that year, which was specifically geared, I'll be honest, to that type of a uh, festival, you know, specifically geared. So really? it okay. worked. <laughs> so how did you, uh, and you say this type of festival? Yeah. That, how much, so how much thinking... Um, how much plotting and planning do, does occur when you're thinking about, okay, what is our next project going to be? 
anything about what it, what the goals are for the for the bands or yeah or how does that how does that come about? I think um, that's hard to say. Yes, uh, I, I think it is that, and, and it's the material too, like what material you kind of have on hand, what material you're playing, what, what material's inspiring to you at the time. Right. Um, and for me. I had been listening, I had no, I listened to music and we've talked about this all day long, you know, and, and when, when Friday comes around, I'm a, I love the streaming, uh, revolution personally, you know, I understand that, uh, a lot of people that are in music are, and I, you know, I totally get it or anti streaming because I mean, yes, it. It, it does take away some of the profits that, that used to go to people buying CDs and buying records and then buying them again when the new format comes out right, and all of right. that. Totally get it. Yes. But on the, on, uh, 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 you know, uh, the, the, the contrary view there is that you get to listen to everything. It's almost like an incredible bullshit detector. Like I remember when it was around right around 2001 when this stuff started and like the strokes came out. You remember? And the Strokes took over the world because of, uh, you know, they were like on, in GQ and like Rolling Stone, all these covers of these in, impossibly cool looking dudes. Right. All like six foot two, you know, <clears throat> that, you know, one's dad was, I don't know, like a photographer or fashion designer or something like that. They're just these cool New York dudes. But it was like, I don't know what they sound like. Right. I just and know I'm, to I'm like a little them, put off uh, uh, by the hype. Uh, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to just go plop down $15, $16 to go find out. But now you don't really have to. You know, like, it, it, I remembered finally getting streaming. Like, I'm going to check these guys out. Right. This is going to cost me nothing but time and not right. that much. I mean, sure, it cost me the, the streaming bit. But, but it's just, it's great to be able to, to listen to to listen to everything. And so that's a really long-winded way of saying is that I, I do try to listen to everything. And I notice that things like... Uh, back to Isbell, how successful he's been with this certain type of sort of storytelling and confessional and very honest way of songwriting. Um, there are lots of other examples. Uh, you know, certainly uh, B.J. Barham from American Aquarium. He put out a record that was that was very inspiring at the time to me. Like to the point where Gregory Allen Isakoff is another one. Okay. Where um, you know you basically listen to listen to it and. And I would just think to myself, like, I think that I can write a song that's sort of in this this genre. Right. You know, um, Hayes Carl is okay, another, yeah. another great songwriter like that. Um, my friend uh, Charlie Mars, another great example. You know, and you'd listen to these and be like, I think that we can do that. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so that's how that uh that that Haraway Brothers record came about is that is that I had a bunch of songs that I just played on guitar that were stories you know and uh and uh and, and felt like I could do them in a very spare way and just let the stories kind of speak for themselves yeah and in a way that would be attracted attractive to this kind of festival exactly which yeah. sounds pretty pretty dang up. I'm so mad a friend of mine a good friend of mine asked me you know, in this summer, you know, hey, you know, we do this, we do this VIP package thing, you know, jump in on this, you know, I guess, you know, because she goes back, she gets an email, you, know, you can buy tickets early. And yeah. Dang it, we just didn't do it. Just We just didn't have the money, the time to do it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, now I regret it, but uh, that's, yeah. that's exciting. So we're going to jump around a bunch here. Let's, I want to, where did you grow up? Oh, uh, well, we grew up 
in uh, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, uh, the closest town is Millington, Tennessee. I guess we're in the Millington city limits, and um, uh, it's right by the Shelby Forest State Park, so it's kind of out in the country. Okay. Uh, but, but not too far from the Mississippi River and not too far from downtown Memphis. And how did your parents get there? Well, Dad worked, um, let's see, Dad, my whole family on my dad's side, Dad has uh, four brothers, and they grew up in Olive Branch, Mississippi, and uh, they all grew up Ole Miss, you know, de devotees, and we'll get to that, that is a lot of my story, actually. So, um, the uh, four of the brothers went to Ole Miss. Okay. Um, and studied various degrees of liberal arts stuff. You know, um, but dad wanted to be an engineer. So in 1964, uh, if you wanted to be an engineer, you went to, you know, uh, the tech, the technical college, which that case was, was, uh, Mississippi state. Okay. So he went to Mississippi state, um, and, uh, became a chemical engineer. But uh, they, what they did back then was sort of a co-op, a very interesting thing. Uh, you basically got, a, you would. Um, he worked for Chevron, I believe, as a junior. He got a job as, uh, with, with Chevron as a junior in, in, in college. So basically they paid for his last uh, year and a half, two years of college if when he completed that program, he would go work for Chevron. That's great. Yeah, a pretty good program, right? So, yeah. so, he, but, uh, so what he did was immediately after uh, you know, completing his degree, he worked for Chevron down on uh, the, the oil rigs in uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So he started out in New Orleans uh, and, and then in Lafayette, and uh, where, where my brother and I were born, uh, my oldest brother Charlie and I were born. And so he completed his, I guess, two years with Chevron, you know, to fulfill that, that agreement. And then um, got a, wanted to move back to the, the, the Memphis Olive Branch area. Right. And uh, he got a uh, uh, he got a job with uh, uh, I believe it was W R Grace Chemical Engineering Plant in Raleigh, which is sort of in that general area of where where we lived. So and he didn't have to be like two weeks on or a month off or like with the rigs. No, I mean this was just you know nine to five <clears throat> plant manager, you know in house chemical engineer. You know they made uh, um, he's going to kill me. He just left the house and from from the visit uh, <laughs> yeah. ammonia. He made ammonia. Okay. So, so that would be for everything from, you know, uh, cleaning products to, right. you know, uh, agricultural pesticides, that type of thing. So was music a part of your life as a, as a child? Do you have a musical household? Or? For sure, yeah. Um, so th those, those five brothers, dad and his four brothers, um, we grew up, that was our childhood. Was, really? Was those guys, uh, when we would get together, we would, uh, they all live in that area. Um, either uh, in Olive Branch where they grew up and where my uh, grand grandmother and grandfather uh, spent their whole lives. Um, and so just during the year, you know, I, I don't know, once every couple of months, maybe less, maybe more, it's hard to remember, but I, it was never not part of our life to go down to Olive Branch and just have a get together on a Saturday night with those guys and their, you know, their wives, my aunts, you know, and then all those cousins it ended up being because five brothers ended up being like 14 cousins, I believe is the thing. And we're all around the same age. We're all, you know, and so that's what happened is we would go down there and they would play music. You know, they would they all had guitars and they would play and drink beer and sing, you know, 
uh, Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and John Denver. John Denver was huge in our family. There you uh, go. Some people have very strong feelings about John one way or the other, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I love John Denver. I have great memories of John Denver. And always a, will. As a kid. Uh, and always will. Yeah. Um, and so Ian Tyson was another. I mean, you know, Waylon Jennings, uh, Patsy Cline. You know, so they would they would learn these songs and they would they would play them to, and they would play them and perform them for the rest of us. You know, so you hear. I just recently was listening to something or reading something. It's, it's this idyllic kind of thing that the South and other places too have yeah. of like this this history of music and storytelling and nobody thinking about doing it for a career. Yeah, it's just something everybody it's, did. Everybody just, played an instrument, and so you came together and. It was just part of the culture. Yeah, yeah let's, let's sing a song. Let's have a let's have a meal and and play. And that's what we did. But it's funny, like as as kids, we weren't like invited to participate. Oh no, not oh, really. really. I okay. mean, like uh, not really. You know, um, maybe when we got to high school, and uh, Charlie Lee and I started performing together, then we would be invited to kind of do our act for them. But then they just go right back to doing their normal thing. Oh, you know see, I, mean? I was envisioning yeah. this, you know, now, here, Will, here's your six-year-old guitar and, like, you know, come play with us. I'm no, like, I mean, we we all dabbled, but 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 not like, the, the, I don't know, it was just, that was just kind of their thing. And, and I, I don't mean it like they were being exclusionary necessarily, but it was right. just kind of like, you know, if those guys want to come and, and, and do something and, 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 and be good, then then they can... They can learn and, and jump in whenever they want, you more, know? More of a lead by example kind of situation. And it also started, yeah, and it also started to be a thing where we would like, I don't know, you know, it, it became not that special in a way because we were so used to it, you know what I mean? It was almost like, oh, well, this is just what happens. Right. And we would go off and play He-Man, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like a big deal. And it's one of those things that I think as you got older, that you realized that it was really, really cool. Right. You know? And that was when we started to, and that stuff really does seep into your consciousness. That, that music seep, you know, it, 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 b before you know it, especially as you get older. And for me, it was probably as I got into college when, you know, you would go see a band and they would play. Like I, I, we were talking about Widespread Panic earlier. I remember going to see them in Little Rock, Arkansas and they played Lump of Coal. I'm just an old Lump of Coal. I, mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly whose tune it is, but it's one of those dudes. Yeah, I don't know. You know, but I'm just an old Lump of Coal. I'm going to be a diamond someday. And I remember them playing, and I was like, oh, my God, I've been hearing that song since <laughs> I was eight years old. Right. You know what I mean? It was a big moment. But it's like those kind of things. It's like, yeah, I've got this in my blood. I don't even know it sometimes. So yeah. when did you personally start playing? And who And who kind of was the, you know, the catalyst for that? Well, it, just, it was just around. They got us singing and performing pretty early, mom and dad, um, because we were in the choir. You know, we, we, we went to, uh, or they still go to this church, St. Anne's Episcopal Church in Millington. Um, and uh, it's a very small church, so you, you kind of got to get in there and, and be part of it. You right. know? So, so as soon as we had any ability, we were got robes on and were singing, you know, uh, tenor parts. You know, and pretty much did that through high school. You know, we, 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 we sang the whole time. But they would get us into, like, I distinctly remember do every talent show, we would do them. You really? know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, uh, when I was five, uh, we did, I did the uh, Thank God I'm a, back to John Denver, of course. Thank God I'm a country <laughs> yeah. boy. 
uh, for the E.E. Jeter talent show. That's an excellent uh, talent show piece. Yeah, and Charlie, my older brother, he did an, in the same talent show, Sunshine on My Shoulders. Okay. And he finished second, and I got a participation ribbon, which I'm still, <laughs> yeah. if I'm being honest, bugs me a little bit because I've heard the recording, and it's not bad for a five-year-old. Right. And it's like, I'm five. You can't get <laughs> yeah. Five years old. Give me They're some not grading on a scale at this talent show. Come on, factor. man. <laughs> Come on. But, yeah, so, so we did that, like, all through grade school. We always did that. And so when you're older in high school and you guys were playing, you're trying to get gigs in, uh, like, bars? Or is it no. or just playing for fun? Still? No, it was still just, like, that world wasn't apparent to us then. And I don't necessarily know why that is. As I get older, I, it, it, you know, that would have been cool. I imagine Memphis still has and for did sure. then a, a pretty impressive music scene. For sure. But but we were, you know, we were in Millington, really. So, so we, when we went to Memphis, it was to, you know, go to the mall. That was a whole other world. Yeah, right? it was kind of just a different thing for us in, in a certain way. So it's not like we were, like, immersed in the, you know, the, the club scene. or I mean, I don't think I went to see, to a club and saw a live band until I was about 17, you okay. know, uh, as far as like a real cool club show, you know. Um, but uh, what we did was we just we, we just sang around the house and we sang in those talent shows and we sang at church and we sang with the, the you know, when we when we were allowed to with with our uncles and stuff like that. Um, and Lee was probably the first my youngest brother. Um, he was probably the first one to really get really get good on an instrument you know and that's sort of where it started for the rest of us is that he started getting good and then charlie you know started he got a synthesizer at some point like he he just kind of skipped everything and went straight to synth. it was the 80s you know (laughs) had to keep up with that (laughs) awesome awesome sound you know why get why get one (laughs) instrument when i get a synthesizer and have uh, all of them and have all the instruments in one thing and so he got pretty he got pretty good on that he really did um and uh and i didn't but i was a sports guy I, I i really didn't mess around with it until i was probably 17 or 18 you know yeah what were your sports baseball man god yeah, yeah. i loved baseball and tennis yeah baseball and tennis that's the same season or at least it was where i grew yeah up. yeah we, we made it work there we go yeah um how, how did lee get good when did that happen how did that happen well um that's a that is a a funny thing because uh, my brother when we were growing up, he was he was really shy, and and, and uh, my dad's kind of shy, and, and so it, it you know and 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 I, at one point I probably not anymore, but at one point I definitely was too. It's just just you know kind of one of those personality traits that, but Lee was like really shy, and um, to the point like when we would do, our three person, kind of trio singing thing. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, our kind of three three person singing things. Sometimes Lee would do his part hiding behind the couch, you know. Okay, yeah. This was when he was really young, though. Sure. But sure. But, um, but he got a electric guitar. I want to say when he's like fourteen, he asked for it for Christmas and got it, and it was a shitty guitar. I remember it. It was it was actually a Memphis brand guitar. Okay. Uh, but he still could make some pretty decent sounds out of it. You know, he he didn't and he, he skipped acoustic, went straight to that, and he he got some pretty decent sounds out of that, and then. Probably when he was 16, he started taking uh, organ lessons from our church organist, which is a, a huge pipe organ with all the pedals and everything. Oh, wow, like, not like It's not like sitting in front of a piano. And he became pretty good at that, and it was pretty obvious, like, this guy really could probably just play just about anything. He was just very naturally, and is to this day, 
very naturally he can just sort of look at one of those and just understand it. He's one of those people. Oh my gosh, I love those people. Yeah, me too. I'm not one of those I people would, at I'm all. I'm not either, and I not in anything. Right. I, I keep trying. You know, I'm I'm, I'm still searching. Maybe yeah. I am in something. Yeah. I just haven't it's, found it. Keep yet. looking, man. Maybe it hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. Keep but looking. But I love people who just you know have this a natural affinity. You know, immediately for something, and it's not like they don't work hard. They do. Yeah. But they also have this thing. Yeah. I dig that. But he was probably the first one to really show. I don't know. It's hard to say. Because, like I said, we would win a lot of those talent contests, you know, right. either together or, or versus, you know, or uh, as individuals. So we all kind of always showed a little ability here and there. Were you all, uh, like, competitive at this age in high school? Or, like, is, like, is that? Not really. You know, we were pretty different, all of us were. Because, I, again, I was, like, really into sports. And they really, Charlie and Lee really weren't, you okay. know, not until Lee was probably – 14 did he get into baseball and was pretty good at baseball but charlie was never really into any of it he, you know he was always uh you know uh into creating stuff and making stuff and being you know uh he would do little radio shows that he still has and sends to us you know stuff that we did when we were like 10 years old that's awesome you know little shows that we would put on yeah but he was just always that kind of kid he was you know kind of a, a creative artsy kid charlie did and, you go to college no, all three of us went to Ole Miss. Again, okay. I told you it was going to be part of my story. Yeah, like we yeah, all yeah. Went there. Well, how was so? And give me the age. Give me where. Uh, we're all two years apart. Although Lee and I are probably eighteen months apart. Okay. And Lee and I are even closer than that. But Charlie and I are. Let's see. He was June, uh, nineteen seventy-two, and I'm September nineteen seventy-four. So. Okay. Did look, you think about going anywhere else? You know, not really, which is funny. Um, so to go back uh, onto my mom's side, my my, my 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 maternal grandmother was actually Miss Ole Miss. No way. Yep. Uh, so, you know, she she was Miss Ole Miss, and she met my grandfather uh, Chuck Smalling because he had been high, he was an All American running back at Stanford. Okay, in, in obviously in California, and so Ole Miss wanted to incorporate the Stanford offense into their offense so they hired they couldn't hire the coach who was pop warner because he was the coach pop warner right so they hired uh just basically and back then guys really didn't go pro this is the this was the 30s you know it's like they really did it wasn't they didn't make a lot of money it's still super dangerous it just wasn't something you kind of wanted to keep doing you know you wore a shoe leather on top of your head my my grandfather got his teeth knocked out in the in the rose bowl oh my gosh you know so it's not like you know yeah, it's not really a viable wanted, career path. In this yeah, it wasn't in the '30s anyway. So what? But you, but coaching was a thing. So they uh, they hired uh, my grandfather and a couple of the other, you know, either assistants or guys that had just graduated, and moved them to 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 Mississippi to to be part of the coaching staff. So he was running backs coach, and it was like his first, I don't know, day or week or month in in town. And they were like, "Well, would you like to escort Miss Ole Miss to?" whatever some cotillion or something and he said sure and the rest is history that's an amazing story that's incredible <laughs> yeah so we're one of those families i so think kind of oldness royalty a little bit here i guess i mean <laughs> I, I, not that we were treated as such in any way shape or form but 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 yeah it's certainly something that it's just I, there are plenty of people here that are like that with georgia i'm sure and alabama and you know it's just it's just it just becomes kind of something that is just that's what you do right you know your cousins go there, your uncles go there. It's like, well, let's check it out. And then you end up loving it right along the same way they did. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I've only been to Ole Miss a couple of times, but I uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Come on back, man. I, it's, uh, it's always good. I will certainly do it. Yeah. Uh, did you know what you wanted to study when you went? 
oh, not really. Was that were academics important to you? Um, not really. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think maybe I wanted to be a sports announcer, but I didn't think about that until later on as something that I actually wanted to do. And then as soon as I started doing it, I didn't want to do it anymore. What didn't you like about it? I didn't like being on camera. Yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like the only thing they were training us to do was really to deliver the news on a local broadcast in Biloxi or you know South Haven or wherever some little town in Mississippi that was the peak of the vision that they, seemed to be like you. that was the next thing and I was like I do not want to do yeah. that you know um, but I did get some good journalism like video editing skills enough that got me here in, in Atlanta because um Turner was uh, looking for video editors, and I knew how to do that. So it was pretty simple. I came and did that. Yeah. Really? That's how you got to Atlanta? Yep. Yep. I, I had applied back back when you sent letters to get jobs. Right. You know, I had sent a bunch of them all over, and, and that was the one that, uh, that was answered, you know. Uh, and it was like, do you know how to do video linear editing? Yes, I do. And it was like, <laughs> yes, I do. You're hired. Come on over. And, yes, I was able to, to, to work there for years. It was awesome job I, actually i mean because i love sports it was sports editing so it's terrific yeah, i didn't know you did that editing's fun yeah it's it is make know? a little movie you know is right? what it is it's like a little three minute highlight package or minute and a half highlight package whatever the case may be you're and you telling a story gotta make a little story out of it yeah make it interesting i i that, i think that's fascinating yeah i could dive down that rabbit hole yeah pretty man. easily yeah um storytelling but, the common thread again exactly yeah uh, but so tell me what was Ole Miss like as far as you, as far as musically? and So if I was, to be completely honest, that was what I studied, was yeah. was going to see bands, really. You know, like that was what I did, is that, uh, you know, me and my friends, we went, once we kind of, and it was really going back to that first club show I talked about, um, which I went purely because of the name of the band, which is still one, of, which is great. It's still one of my favorite bands. Their name is Big Ass Truck. Big Ass Truck. Yeah, you ever heard, yeah, great band. I mean, they're not around. Well, they they've kind of reformed uh, recently, which is awesome and wonderful. Um, but like, went and saw them and was just blown away by how incredible it was. And so, ever since then, I've really just wanted to go see bands. And so that's really what we did was we would major in going to the Proud Larry's Corner behind the sound, next to the sound booth, and just watch bands play, you know, and learn and hear what they played and how they got good. And, and that was right when we started playing and figuring that out ourselves. So that was... Is we, this we, your brothers, or is it your other friends? Well, it or? would be me and my friends, and then when my brother came to school, then, then, then yeah, when Lee came to Ole Miss, uh, then, then, yeah, he would go with us as soon as he was was old enough but but you know the fraternity parties and and the union events and stuff like that we were always just paying attention you know and trying You're to doing this consciously this is oh not yeah for like sure no it was yeah at a at a band no in college. Was, i mean it, it was probably i'm not going to deny it was some of that and cert, but, sure. but but also wanting to figure out like how do i get up there and do that and as soon as possible <laughs> do you remember any like kind of things that stood out as far as like Oh well, he's doing that. That's great. I should. But if I do that, I should do that. Like well, that. Or, it was or the opposite. It was more stuff that I knew that I that I couldn't do. Like um, Steve Selvage, who was the lead guitarist and singer for Big Ass Truck, had this amazing hair, like this 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 white man afro <laughs> of hair. Which I say this knowing fully well that I'm talking to you with a half white man afro <laughs> as I speak. 
Um, but and and it would just go straight up in the air. I don't know if he teased it or whatever. And he was like this super skinny dude. Yeah. And throughout about midway through every one of those shows, when he had like some big solo to rip, he would take off his shirt completely in his you know skinny jeans and stand up on top of the monitor or amplifier and just rip. And I would be like, that is incredible. I could I cannot do that, but I really appreciate it and I love it. Like, so you saw a, the showmanship. He was like my first rock god. I mean, he was just right. fantastic. You know, he was just he was just awesome. Yeah, and still is to this day. He's playing in the Hold Steady now. If you know that band, he I is, don't. But a great band. He sort of resuscitated it. They needed a rock star, and they hired him. And uh, they're doing better than ever. So which I love. You know? Who else do you remember seeing back then that you were like can't miss or wanted to? Um, or did you base it by venue? Or no, you know? no. I mean, there, there were all kinds of bands. You know, um, there was uh, Beanland was a big band in Oxford when I got there. Um, I remember being really impressed with with them and George McConnell, who later became a friend of ours. Uh, you know, he owned a, a, a guitar store in Oxford, and, and we got to know him. And he was sort of one of the lead players in that. Um, that was a band we really loved. Um, there was a band called the Moondaws out of Charleston, whom we really loved. And again, sort of some showmanship with this one dude. He was just like very brooding and mysterious and and just made you want to know more about his, uh, you know, artistry or just where he was coming from, right. that kind of thing. But um, all sorts of those little bands back then, like the Grapes were one. They're still kind of tour around. Uh, Todd Snyder, I remember seeing him early on. I like uh, Me too, and that's another guy that you know you, you can you you almost prefer to see him sort of by himself, and that was probably the first time I saw like somebody do one of those type of shows, you know, where they okay. they're kind of up there being funny and telling stories and you know singing songs to match the stories, you know. So tell me about like uh, deciding to do something together, or or again, have, are you there yet in college? Are you like let's let's also let's play and as a you know, yeah together. I, I think what it was was so my buddy uh, there were there were a couple of moments is was that my buddy Max Max Schmitz um, got invited to play drums in, in a band and Max and I weren't quite roommates but we spent a lot of time together um, and big music guys you know and he played in this band which is um, I don't even think he even had a name yet. Um, and we n ended up naming it, which was just the worst name ever. I'll tell you, <laughs> it's Fungus Among Us was the name. Is, oh, up, that just, is just a bad. That name. is no big ass. Really bad name. Yeah, that's not big ass truck. Um, and they needed a drummer, and so Max started. And so I would kind of check out the band and, and kind of, uh, if I'm being honest, kind of probably forced my way into it because I knew I could sing, you know, uh, pretty well and. Uh, and and wanted to get Lee involved because Lee at the time was was then playing keyboards really well. Yeah. And uh, and so we just sort of got ourselves in there into that band. And I think that was maybe, I think I was a junior by that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Lee was a freshman. So you know. Did you have goals? Were y'all no goals? No. Yeah, no. So no, we're no. having just, fun. Just just playing. Yeah. Just playing, and you know the goals would be small. You know, playing a club in Jackson playing a club in memphis you know certainly playing yeah but until you've done that those are big ass goals yeah those are, those, only looking back does that seem like a small goal right it yeah. seemed impossible like right you know six months before or it's, maybe I it's don't know. funny though it it wasn't though it wasn't it seemed very very easy, doable very doable yeah it did because and mostly because you would see the other bands 
and you'd see plenty of great bands. Right. But as anybody can attest, you see plenty of shitty bands too. Yeah. You know, and that's inspiring in its own way. It's like, oh well, hell, we can do better than that. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I forgot what writer it was. Uh, golly, I think it's the guy who did the, the Firm and Pelican Brief and John Grisham. Yeah. He said like before he was writing a book, like he got more inspiration and joy out of reading the shitty thrillers. Than oh he yeah. Was reading because like, well, hell, I can be at least. And I, I think this way also, like not better than I think, oh, I can be at least as bad. And that's yeah. that's out there. Well, you know? one of the biggest kicks I've ever gotten at watching music was I went and saw the Rolling Stones in, uh, at Phillips Arena. Uh, it was the second time I, I, I had seen them. Uh, the first time was absolutely life changing down at Turner Field. It was an amazing show. And this one was a great show, too. But uh, Keith Blue, um, brown sh- he blew the brown sugar lick. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, like that, he blew it. And I was just like, yes. Right. Somebody <laughs> yeah. that amazing can do Keith that also. Keith Richards. And he, I, I'm sure he doesn't remember or care and probably didn't at the time. But, right. you know, it was like, you know, hey, you can screw it up, you know, even when you're the, even you're the best. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, they went on. It was a great show. It didn't matter. You know. Yeah. Um, so how how far did you play, end up playing with this the fungus among us? Yeah, through, it didn't it didn't last or? it didn't last terribly long. Um, maybe maybe six to eight months. I mean, I think we, we we did like a little circuit where we played in Oxford. Obviously, we did a couple of frat parties, and we went and did uh, we played Jackson at least once, and we played Memphis at least once at the Omni New Daisy with Big Ass Truck actually, which uh, was kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which full was, circle quick. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. So like I said, it was like, it all seemed like you could do it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You're young and you just don't know any better, I think is the main thing. You're like, you see all these other people doing it. And you're like, oh, well, this yeah, is just what you it. do. Why not? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we could do it. And so, uh, but that ended pretty quick. And Lee and I in particular were fairly disillusioned by it in that the guitar players pl- overplayed everything. We felt like, you know, it was just, they were just all over the place. There was no room for the singing you know there was no room for lee's keyboard and so at the pretty quickly after that i started playing bass um i just i had gravitated towards the bass and i was like i'm gonna start playing the bass what made you want what made you gravitate oh i don't know uh i i actually really don't know it just seemed like my instrument just from seeing these all of these you know bands play it just seemed like the 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 way in for me because i was just into I don't know, just into the rhythm. I guess the way that it kind of merges rhythm and melody, you know, at the same time, that was definitely, and so like uh, I got a Fender bass, you know, and wanted to get good. And so Lee was living with Ed Thomas, who's a, a great musician, grew up in a family of musicians, great musician, you know, and, um, and Ed played drums um, in a band called, I want to say they were called Southbound, and they had broken up. And uh, but he also played keyboards. He's one. He's he was similar to Lee, and they were roommates. And so they just they had a music room set up, and that was they. That's what they did as they jammed the two right. of them. And so I was like, this is great. I'm coming over to y'all's house, you know. So I would come over there and play with them. And so we started a three piece band, intentionally without a guitarist because we were so annoyed at guitarists. <laughs> like they're just gonna <laughs> yeah, come right. in here and want a Jerry Garcia and take over the whole all damn over thing. everything and just solo and do all these, you know, 15 minute songs and, and, and be the show. And it's like, and we don't want to do that. Right. And so, and that was really, 
a great little band uh, in another really terrible name. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask. Called the Pocket Rockets. Really bad. <laughs> really bad. I am sorry to everyone Seemed for that Seemed like a one. good idea at the time. Yeah, for that one. You know, that was terrible. But um, So that was me and Lee and Ed. And it was these, if you've ever listened, and the, and the, the, the idea was, if you've ever listened to uh, the Beastie Boys instrumental record called In Sounds from the Way Out, Okay, I have not, but it's, keep going. It's brilliant, brilliant little piece of music. Because okay. it's these, these simple little, like, five-minute jams. No no singing to them. But there were these cool little jams, and it would be like that. It would be keyboard, uh, drums, and bass. And they would just kind of find this little pocket and find this little groove, and then the song would be over. And then you'd move on to the next one. And so we just learned to play those songs and to play that way together and got to be – uh, you know pretty decent at it and then we started adding in like some different like okay well now let's add in this so we started there and then we started adding in the singing and ed was a really good singer as well so the three of us would do like these three-part harmony like um we used to do let it grow by clapton okay. uh, it's kind of a b-side clapton um which we have a history of doing covers that no one knows which is just stupid you don't realize that <laughs> yeah, until, you, don't you don't realize that until later <laughs> I'll get into that if it's funny, but, but that was the mentality, the many things that you learn the hard way. How about that? But that was one of them. So, but, uh, so that became, a, a, that was a very positive experience. Uh, and that was probably my entire senior year of college was, was learning and getting better at the bass and learning to play with people properly with like, um, with your ears open and playing with somebody as opposed to just stand, you know, kind of like, okay, now it's my turn to sing. You know what I mean? Or now it's right. my turn to do what, you know, to, to do what it, to, to let's, to, let's dive a little bit deeper into yeah. both of those. So how, you know, there's this idea out there of intentional practice. Oh, sure. Is that something like, so when you were trying to get good at the bass, like how, how the hell do you do that? How do you get good at the bass? Well, music is uh, a funny thing in that if you play with people that are better than you, then you're going to get better. That is 100% true. And Lee and Ed were definitely better than me. Um, and so what I wanted to do was just not screw it up. And so being the bass player between this, this good organ and keyboard player and this good drummer, my jo I just had a very simple job. I just needed to make sure that I was on the right chord for the keyboardist and make sure that I was on the right rhythm for the drummer. And so I just tried not to do anything too difficult, honestly. I just tried to keep it super simple, which is still good advice, to be honest, just Keep it simple. You know, don't try to do too much. Listen. So what would you know? a practice session, like for you by yourself, what does a practice session look like? Well, I never, I'll tell you that I didn't back then, then. Back then, uh, I, I did take lessons from Dave Woolworth, who is in a band to this day called uh, the Kudzu Kings, and he worked at George's, uh, George's guitar store, Django's, and I, I would take lessons from him, and he would advise me to do – and he, got, he gave really good advice. He, he would um, – he would uh, he he would tell me to to play scales, which was boring as shit, but but it is valuable. You you definitely want to be able to play scales so you know which way to go. All right, you within, heard it here, kids. Within a key, play your damn scales. Play your if damn you don't scales. Want to. But as a bass player, it's really boring, you know. So, but what you really the, the whole point of playing the bass is to kind of to play with other people. It's not like a guitar where you can sit down and be and entertain yourself. You can't really do that with the bass. At least I can't. Right. And, and so he would advise me to find some cool records and just play the bass part along with the records. Oh, and, that's cool. Do you and, remember any that were like oh, absolutely. Helpful? Okay. Time absolutely. Fades Away by Neil Young. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he and George were so great, and I'll never forget it because this was back again before, you know, uh, CDRs and all that. They just had it on vinyl and taped it for me. Oh, that's which was cool. really nice of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just because I was obviously, you know, I don't know, just this, you know, this kid that seemed way into music, and they were like, well, you know, here, this is this is the right path for you young pad one right you know and so yeah that that was i used to play along with that one and it and again it's simple and and i think he gave it to me because a lot of that is just country songs you know neil in his at, at times is just a country artist and so it's just you know a and d and g and f and e minor and do it all again and it's just learning those chord progressions and how they work together and keeping it simple and not trying to, you know, I, I still to this day don't know how to pop the bass or whatever any of that stuff is. It's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's just, just that kind of, I think that was probably the stuff that was really helpful that I didn't know about till later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so senior year now, this is all going on. You're going to graduate at yeah. some point. What are we thinking is the next step? Well, how, uh, how? I, I really, as far as music goes, I knew I wanted to, keep playing with Lee, but I, but I didn't know how we were going to do it yet. So it was sort of like, we'll just kind of stick a pin in this, to be honest, you know, and didn't really think about doing live music or, or any kind of music for probably a couple of years until he moved here. And, and I think it was that we, it wasn't even before he moved here. I think we like went on a family vacation to Gulf Shores, you know, like during the summer um, or, or over Christmas, I don't remember which, but, but we went and uh by then i had my i had my acoustic guitar and and lee had uh uh i think he had an acoustic guitar by then but it wasn't like it wasn't like a martin or anything yet you know it was like sort of a, a whatever guitar and i had a martin that i had gotten and was and was and was digging around on that and i was showing him the martin like look at this cool thing that i got you know this is you know because that's and that's to be clear, that's what our uncles and and always played. The, the ones that were the most serious about were Martin guitars. It was okay, like, I want to talk about. I want to. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to hear about this because that's something I love listening yeah. to. Like guitar people talk to each other. Yeah, because there's the Martin <laughs> side and the Taylor side, and they're both amazing guitars. But for whatever reason, you sort of end up gravita gravitating to one or the other. And, okay. and and as far as we were concerned, Martin was like, when you got a Martin, you got the guitar. Because that's give me a ballpark on price for like a about a thousand bucks, okay. you know, for a good like, one. Yeah, it's, yeah, for okay. for a good one, you know. And then you want to. It's an investment. Yeah, it's an investment. It's, it's a lot of money, especially for a kid, you know. Right. You exactly. know. So, uh, but uh, I had gotten, you know, uh, I had gotten one and wanted to show it to Lee, and showed it to him, and this was over that family vacation, and I was just amazed at how good he had gotten. I mean, he had he just sort of astounded me. You know, and he showed me a song. It was a song called uh, called Down that he had written, um, which is on the first record that we ever did called BB Gun Days, and it's on there. And it's this simple little country tune, but it was it was co a cool tune with like a good melody and 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 pretty cool lyrics. Like a song a, that worked. A song that worked. Yes, an original song that didn't sound like. I mean, it just sounded like a little country song. Yeah. And it didn't sound like anybody in particular, and like. Um, and so he inspired me to to be completely honest. I was like, "Holy shit, he's he's good." So you did, know, during these two years that you weren't thinking about music, were you still playing? Uh, yeah, you, I was certainly you... playing. Yes, absolutely, I was playing. Um, and I, I had gotten that acoustic because, again, without having Ed and Lee, or without having that that other the, people to play bass with, other people to play bass with, I, I couldn't do that anymore. So so I had to come up with something else. 
and I moved in with my friend Philip Little, who had a tailor, and I okay. started playing his tailor and loved playing his tailor. It's just a be- and, and the thing about these, another you were saying lesson for the kids, but this is this is a lesson that I like to when people tell me about like what kind of gu- guitars should I get my kid, and, and the answer is always the same: get them a nice one, because they're only going to play A's and G's and D's. And it would be great if they sounded good when they did it. Okay. And if the guitar would stay in tune. Two just key things. Because that makes you want to do it more. And you wouldn't even, uh, that's, that to me seems like you know, counterintuitive to like what most parents would do. Or certainly what I would do. Well, you'll buy them know? a little starter guitar, right? Yep. It, it happens all the time. You'll buy them a little starter guitar, and they'll get it, and, they'll, and it'll sound like ass. <laughs> yeah. And because they're going to be struggling with their little fingers to figure out how to play the G. Yeah. And then they're finally going to get the G and it's going to sound like shit. Right. And then it's going to go out of tune and they're not going to know how to tune it. And they're going to try and tune it. And it's like, it's a slippery slope. And next thing you know, it's in the, it's in the corner in the closet for the next two years. I feel like that was just the history of my <laughs> guitar playing right there in the 30 seconds. <laughs> That's basically, I'm sure what happened. So me. yeah, man. So I started playing my, just learning how to, how to i don't know just learn songs that i liked on the guitar as simple as that and that's what i that's what i did so i, I pretty quickly got up to maybe i don't know 20 30 songs that i just liked you know and they were and, and a lot of it had to do with round round about this time um sunvolt had become a thing and uncle tupelo had become a thing yeah those are i love those bands and i think the thing about both of those that, but the, about that sound is that you asked earlier about like what was it that made you say like I can do that I think it was that really that okay. that, that those songs particularly the Sunvolt tunes like that that first record Trace mm. where you listen to that and you were like that is a simple beautiful little country song I think that I could do that That's simple awesome. as that you know it's like it's like that I think that I could at least play that song and make it sound good and i think that maybe i could one day write a song that is similar to that that's and that's amazing that's yeah. inspiring because that's because also like you like that music you like i love it. it well and that and, and and it sort of bridges the whole thing back i mean a lot of that those guys were inspired by merle haggard and johnny cash and you know uh cause what, what, what a lot of that was uh, at least the uncle tupelo side it was just kind of like punk country Right. Honestly, you know, now, now Sunbowl is all the way country and they're bringing in the pedal steel, which we always just adored. My uncle David brought, you know, played a pedal steel and uh, not very well, but he had one and it was, you know, it was just a cool sound. It's amazing what it'll do for a song. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, so that sort of that sort of brought it all back like that particular genre of music, whatever you want to call it, alt country or, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, Americana, whatever, like th- when that became popular. It was like, oh, here we are. You no, know, this is, it's yeah, back to something that I can it. understand and, and can do and have and sort of been trained for. And right, and want to do more of. Yeah. So y'all, y'all are on vacation. Is, yeah. Has he graduated yet, or is he about to graduate? I think he was like just about to graduate. He, it was either his senior year, or he was, or, or 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 he had just graduated. I can't I can't recall. He didn't know what he where he was going or what he was going to do. Were you like come to Atlanta? Did yeah, pretty students? much immediately. Yeah, I was are like, you still doing film editing at the time? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I was still working for Turner, and uh, and just again doing the same. St- just going to see bands, going to Smith's Old Bar, you know, uh, seeing tons of bands there, you know. And but pretty much when I saw how good he he had gotten, it, it, it was inspiring in a couple of different ways. One, it was like, well, 
man, he's really good. We should do something. And also that I wanted it for him is like, he really needs to be playing. He really needs to this. He needs to be playing. If not with me, with someone, right. You know, he needs to be out there doing this because he's just too good. Not to. I mean, he's just, Obviously good. What an, well, is it, uh, to me, what a great thing to be able to say and feel about you know someone like that you for that sure you're that close to that you yeah. love. And it was impressive. I mean, it's still impressive. He's still great. I, we, you know, we, we were messing around with the Pro, Pro Tools rig in my basement um, last night, and I knew he would get it immediately, and he did. You yeah. know, he's just one of those guys. He sees stuff like that. He's like, oh, I understand how this works. You know, I have to have a step by step guide. You know, he's like, oh yeah, okay, we well, have. Yeah. Add it to the timeline. Got it. Let's yeah, move on. I have to be shown ten times. Right. Me too, man. Me too. Um, all right. So he's coming to Atlanta. Yep. 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 And he and uh, so he had written a few songs, and by that time I had written a few songs, um, most of which were terrible. <laughs> Just being honest, they were terrible. The thing about him is his were still pretty good, even like down, which I don't think he likes anymore. And it's probably just because it seems a little hokey, which I get. But it's still a cool song. I think as we get older, he'll probably go back to liking it. But generally, when he writes them, they're usually pretty good. So when you say your songs weren't very good, what what wasn't good about them? What does that mean? Oh, God. The lyrics were terrible. You know, I mean, like, I think I'd just gone through a breakup. So that was good in a certain sense, but bad in another. You know what I mean? Like, good because it's... It puts you in touch with that side that anyone can relate to, Completely. which is great. You know what I mean? Like that is the key to all of this. You know, all this shit is that you want to relate to people. You want them to hear your stuff and be like, "Oh yeah, I felt that way," or sure, "I just, yeah. you know, I've been there," or whatever. But then at the same time, it's like where it's the end of you know the sad. What we used to laugh about and still laugh about to this day is sad bastard music. <laughs> That's which, a great label. Which is a big thing for especially for alt country and Americana type stuff. It's Completely. just sad. I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. It's like man, cry me a fucking river, man. You know I don't want to listen to that. You know necessarily. So, uh, dude, everybody's first play. Is, I know. It's just like that. You know, it's, it's, the same fine. Thing. it's exactly. It, but. You know, uh, you would ask me, you know, uh, what kind of quotes inspired you. And I, I remembered Patterson Hood said something similar to that. He's like, it's, it's like this very impressive statement. It's like, I have written more than 2,000 songs. The first thousand of them were terrible. Exactly. You know? And, uh, you know, I think uh, if you've ever seen that Eagles documentary, uh, Glenn Fry's asking Bob Seeger for advice on writing songs. And he's like, well, you need to start writing some songs and they're going to be terrible. They're going to be really bad, but keep writing them because that's the only way they're going to get better. you got to write the bad ones. God, there's just no substitute around it, right? You can't improve a draft until there is a draft. That's right. And you can't write your 10th play until you've written your first nine and, and I, have most of them suck, and then you get better. And we recorded some stop. of them, and, yeah. I, I, and uh, I, I probably won't ever listen to – I know that I will, but there's some that I just – I can't get all the way through. I believe you. Yeah, I can't I do it. I can't do it. Uh, did you did y'all kind of do like a formalized arrangement of saying, "Hey, well, let's actually let's do a band"? Where, like, when did the kind of. Brothers start as a band? Well, technically, well, it, it started off as the Sun Dogs uh, because okay. it's it started off as that, and I and I'll get to the how it became two bands, uh, and it may end up just becoming one band later. But well, yes, go ahead, tell but me. But yeah, it started off as Sundogs, just the Sun Dogs. Is that great name? Thank you. So we, we finally <laughs> hit on one, and that came from we finally looked inward. That came from our, our, our uncles. We asked them to name it 
and and basically. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah, and they um, they said that our grandfather, their dad, uh, Achilles Mori Haraway, which I know that's a big handle. Great name. Yeah, a <laughs> big handle. He used to call like when the sun uh, on a cloudy day. When the, but the sun is still out, but the sun is kind of behind the clouds. And you'll notice it now that I said this, these little rays come out. Mm-hmm. And so those rays are called sun dogs. Really? It's like an old Mississippi term. Yeah, those ra- but, but if you if you do research on it, uh, the, uh, American Indians used to say the same thing. They would, call, they would also call those, I think it was like, a, like an optical illusion when the, the, that same thing, but it would become two suns just a, as an optical illusion, and they would call those sun dogs. And there's all kinds of little things like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I hadn't either, and so that, that's where we came up with that. But at that point, it was just me and Lee, and we were just both playing acoustic guitars together, and occasionally I would play. Actually, I think I was playing bass, and he was playing guitar. I think that's what it was. And we would just do a little two-man act around Atlanta. Um, and we played, golly, what was the name of that place? It was in Buckhead. And so do you remember your first Oh, first God. I'll think of it in a minute, but uh, it was a tiny little place in Buckhead that we would play, and, and, and I think we played in the basement of what is now uh, Mike and Angelo's. We, we did those types of gigs, you know, uh, okay. the, the little two-man yeah, gigs yeah. just all around town. We did all kinds. Are you kind doing of, covers? Or mostly mainly? covers, yeah. yeah. I think we would sneak in something like, I think Lee had Down by then, and I had this song called Tulsa, uh, Going to Tulsa which we would sneak in by then, maybe one or two others, you know. Um, and then eventually, uh, so we had that going, and then I met Kevin Leahy um, in a conference room at a job we were both working, uh, uh, and, like, the, within seconds of meeting each other, it was like, well, what do you like to do? And it was like, well, I like to play music. What do you like to do? I, I play drums. And Kevin, by this point, unbeknownst to me, had already done an entire – worldwide tour with Sean Mullins as his drummer. Oh wow. Okay. And had and had uh was taught how to play drums by Kevin uh, by pardon me by Kenny Aronoff who was Mellencamp's drummer and teach oh, wow. in Bloomington, Indiana. Like he, you know, but Kevin being Kevin, he was just sort of like, "Oh, well, I play drums." <laughs> right, 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 right. You know. So we invited him over and Lee and I were living together by this point and, and we invited him over to play with us. And I was playing drums, and Lee was playing guitar, and Kevin would play bass, and it just clicked immediately. And but now, when I think back about it, I mean, that was really nice of Kevin. I mean, we were, you know, he had been playing with like real deal dudes right. for a really long time. By that time, he had actually played with Bloodkin by that time. Oh wow, okay. You know, and 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 they had sort of he had burned out on that because those dudes at that point were like vampires. I mean, they did not they 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 would start at you know ten o'clock. You know, and and sleep all day. And Kevin was, you know, he's still a young guy. He's like, man, I'm not quite ready to dive in this hard into the right, rock and roll. Not, not for me, exactly. So he had been through it. He and, and so for him to play with us was a really nice gift. Have y'all I, talked about that since? And well, been like, I really like, do. What kind were you of, thinking when you came in? I really like, do need to ask him that. And I, and and we put him through some shit. Like I think we took him after we got to we had an act together, and of course fulfilling one of those goals, we were like, well, we got to go back to Oxford and play Proud Larry's. Our kind of our our holy grail of places, oh, I love that. and we went, and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, what was terrible? Uh, nobody sh- nobody came. Yeah. It was it was. I mean, simple as that. I mean, they nobody came. It, it, it's you know. I mean, like, I don't remember what we got paid, but it damn sure wasn't much, and it damn sure wasn't worth the trip. 
Right. And he did that with us, and it was like uh, I think that was the only time he was legitimately fairly mad at me. In our in our in our friendship, because we just drove all this way. Yeah, and, uh, and I had I don't, maybe I had oversold it in some way, but uh, once it's possible and likely, now that I think about it. But. So what do you do? What do you do when you get up there and there's there's nobody there to play? Like, uh, how do you how do you make yourself? It's so depressing. First of all, what, but yeah, tell me about your self talk on that. Um, you got to at the very least uh, play for each other. It's as simple as that, you know. And and it hap- It has happened. It doesn't happen as you know, as much lately, and this is a humongous knock on wood. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, exactly. But it sucks. And um, because it, a lot of effort goes into doing this stuff, everything from practice to just general headspace, you know, as you know, and we've talked about this, you know. Yeah. And so when you show up to do these things and and nobody gives a damn, you know, uh, it sucks. But um, you just got to play for each other and just try and be professional and play play the songs well and, and, and try and take – the small moments out of it. Um, a lot of guys will call it like a paid practice, even if you're not getting paid that well. You know, like right. you're still playing on a great stage. You're, uh, in theory, it, you're using a great PA and with a with a with a guy mixing your sound for you with monitors. And uh, you know, n- now we do that all the time in our own practice space, and that's great. But but years ago, you know, that was a rare occurrence. Right. So so Didn't even then, much. you've got to at least enjoy the experience because it is it is still fun and that is the reason you do it at some level you know what I mean is because you do love it and the idea is to continue to get better so even that experience should allow you to get better right you know so it's all attitude I guess yeah but that's that's not an easy switch to, to it's turn on I it's mean, not that's, but it's it's got to be mandatory right it, it really has to you be. can't control who's there it really it really it, well you yeah you can work as hard as you can Right. For sure. You can as do long everything as you, you think you As long know as you do. do that, generally, I'm cool with it. As long as, you know, you know that you didn't, yeah, I don't know, blow the promotion in some way or, or, or just didn't, you know, didn't do everything you could have done. Right. You know, as long as you do that, then you should be all right. How yeah. did you get that gig? What's that? The, the, the going to Proud Larry's, if y'all were in Atlanta. Oh, uh, well, we knew those guys and we had, and you know, there is a certain cachet for being a band from Atlanta when you're coming to oxford you know right. there, there were plenty of cool super cool bands that came and y'all from, were ready musically just yeah, we not, could play yeah we could always play wise. yeah we could always play you know that was that was definitely something that that was helpful we could always play and sing even if our gear might not have been quite what some of the other guys had or what you know we, we but you could always count on us to 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 show up on time and to to, to and to be to be pretty good you know, to not to de- definitely to, to to hit our marks. You know what I mean? To, what are, to use what, your yeah, to use your good camera camera yeah. ter- terminology. There. What are the other like mandatory kind of things you would tell somebody with a you know a new band who's young? Like you know, at the very least, you get to be professional band. You have to do A, B, C, and D. What advice would you so give this is something again learned definitely the hard way, and I'll and I'll, I'll couch it with the story. I remember. Um, Years ago, we were opening, and, 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 and we were doing openers at Smith's fairly, re- fairly often. And it was that same thing. It was because we, we could be counted on to be pretty good, you know, and we could be counted on to bring, you know, 50 or whatever amount of people, and, and it, would, it would work t- to help open your show. And that was the role that we were playing, and we were pretty good playing. I mean, it's kind of what you did. You did that for a while, and then, in theory, eventually you would get enough people and grow enough of a following that you could be – a headliner, you know, so, um, 
we got to the point where we were playing like a Friday or Saturday night, you know, and I think either the day before or the Thursday before or the day of the headliner canceled. And so Dan Nolan, who's a friend of mine and runs Smith's and owns Smith's called me up and was like, Hey, it's, you can have the whole show if you want it. We're like, well, hell yeah, we want it, you know? And so we got out there and did everything we knew, every song we knew, you know what I mean? And we probably weren't ready to do that. You know what I mean? We probably had probably what, 45 minutes and we went out there and played two hours, you know okay. what I mean? Okay. So I think the advice would be, and, and you probably need some outside influence, outside influence to tell you this is know what you got, you know? Um, and, and I can, uh, I learned this by seeing another band do this. It's this great band in, uh, out of Athens at, uh, and they're still together. They're called the Wigs. You might've heard of the Wigs. They're, they're a cool band. And, uh, they, used to that they got they got a manager uh by the name of josh rifkind who who lives in who lives in town and does the um the 500 songs for kids charities just a great okay, dude. so he became their manager and they're like all right josh you, you know so he he showed up to a practice and, and, he, and so they played everything they knew for him you know a couple hours whatever it was and he's like well what do you got and he's like i think you got about 30 minutes guys you know oh, i bet that was crushing I, i'm sure but you know what he did he booked him at the Earl and at Smith's and yeah. wherever, and they did 30 minutes. And it would be a great 30 minutes, and it would make you want to hear more. But they didn't have any more yet. Right. So it's like, when can we do 45? When you've got, when 45. You've got 45. It's sort of like building a, like, sort of like, like comedians. Set. Yeah. Yeah. Start with your tight five and, and move that, on. In hindsight, is so smart. I wish that somebody had told me that. Who does, who, who is that person for y'all when y'all are playing? Who's the person outside is like, um ready ready not ready are you are you we don't have that anymore we, we i mean we never really did we never really had that person that that would have been a good person to have okay i, th I think <laughs> i think it's my point I gotcha. to be like you know what because it wasn't until we started recording albums when you would come in and and so that person is generally like a producer somebody okay. that is that is uh experienced enough and with taste and it's generally the taste that's the important thing to say hey that's not good enough or that needs more work or let's try it this way right you know instead of because you can get caught up in it especially when you're young i mean it's you're loud and you know it's it, the you people know. that are there probably love you because that's why they're there and they love you anyway because they're yeah. generally your friends or want to be or whatever and that's all cool but yeah. um you know it, it's not necessarily conducive for constructive criticism yeah. you know what i mean so so that that would be my advice know what you got and start small you know that sounds like thirty pretty, minutes is a good good way to go. That sounds like pretty great advice. What we you said taste a second ago is is it is it, it with music? Is it the same with like a book in that you know you can send a book to an editor or to a publishing yeah. house and like you know twenty out of twenty one will reject it, but that twenty one will print it and then everybody in the world loves it. Absolutely, it, it's it's such a crapshoot. I mean, that's the thing about. You know, that's the thing is that um, some of these guys that get discovered like that, it really is that one person that sort of hears it and just it it, it hits them in the right spot and then they believe in it, you know, and uh, it, that that's that's definitely the deal. I mean, taste has so much to do with it and timing and and, you know, luck and the whole bit. But, um, yeah, I think I think that's definitely a lot of it. You know, uh, when did you guys decide to record? 
Well, um, what goes into making that decision? Of yeah, probably just when we had enough songs to to warrant that. You know, I think we had maybe fifteen or sixteen songs that we thought were pretty good, um, and uh, we got an offer through Kevin um, to this this uh, this this doctor, Doctor John Schaffner, who I believe is a uh, gosh, uh, cardiologist or something like that. But he had like this killer rig out in Stone Mountain and he was a musician as well. And he had this killer, killer rig out in Stone Mountain. And, and what's the rig? Oh, I'm sorry. Like a pro tools rig and, you know, just all kinds of gear, you know, um, so was that a soundboard? Well, no, yeah, he had a studio. He, he had okay. a studio in his, in his house. Okay. Gotcha, and, gotcha, and, gotcha. uh, and he had come to see, come to see us and liked the band and so offered to record us. It was as simple as that. Yeah. It was a nice gift. That's amazing. It was. Yeah. <laughs> It was a nice gift. And so we went out there and recorded for, I don't know, probably four months, you know, on and off, just, just tinkering and, and working on it. And uh, it, was, it was super fun. Learned a lot. Don't, don't really love that album in, in, in its entirety, but there are pieces of it that I like. And you could, you could tell at sort of at the end of the album where we were headed, if that makes any sense. You I know? think so, yeah. Yeah. Like we were starting even by then to move away from some of that uh, alt country stuff, the really hardcore like one two uh, beat you know type of type of stuff, uh, and into the more rock and roll stuff. So it's more more musically it, immature than than I think. Or it is, is that what you when you look at if it? I, now? If I look if I look back at it now, I mean, there's some stuff on there that I, that I like, but but most of it I, I really don't. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes I mean, that <laughs> really makes perfect good, sense. It's really good know. advertising for uh, for BB gun days right there. Because <laughs> you, know, you, yeah, right. you, know, gonna... you can buy it. You can buy it. You know what? The nice thing about that you can buy pieces of it, right? So you can there you can go. you don't have to buy the whole thing. Um, but, uh, when did you feel? I presume you felt this because I've been to uh, I've been to a Sun Dogs Tom Petty show. And yeah, it's flat out fucking amazing. And it's, thanks. The energy is incredible. The yeah. crowd is r- loud and many and into it. Yeah. When did you feel kind of the tide shift a little bit to where you got some what you would feel like momentum, or have you? Because it kind of feels like so far like you may have just always had this momentum. And um, we're just moving on. No, I think it's I think it's fairly recent to be honest with you. Um, we my, joke- time, my timing has been excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, we, it's probably it's been a few years, uh, but it, it's really when you start outlasting some of the other bands that, uh, <laughs> that have gone by the wayside. Sure. See, our thing was is we just never quit. <laughs> I've I've heard that, and so I've heard so many different actors and I different mean- other artists say it. Like, when did you make it? it? Was like when I decided I wasn't ever going to quit. Right, and and it was sort of like the the attitude that I, I can I know that Lee and I spoke about this together at one point. It was like, you know, maybe the goal is just to keep getting better. You know, it, it's just like how good can we get? Let's just keep getting better. You Holy know, shit, yeah. And, and so like that was, and so. I think, and we have have had soundman soundman joke with us about this over the years. It's like you know, you guys get better every time I see you, and it would be like maybe we wouldn't see that soundman for like a year or whatever, and he would be like, so in like twenty years, you guys are gonna be awesome. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Come play my retirement home later. Right, y'all be good. So I think a lot of that is yeah, a lot of guys burn out quick and 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 quit, you know, and and we just decided we just weren't gonna quit. You know, let's just let's just keep doing it and keep getting as good as we can, and uh, and and by that it, it has worked. I mean, we we do continue to get better. I mean, we 
the you know the, the best songs I've ever written were recently. You yeah. know, I mean, I played one of them for y'all the other night that I'm super excited about, and that was the first time I'd ever played it for anybody. And uh, I mean, besides you know like Lee or just my yeah. wife, my wife or whatever. But I love that. Yeah, and I it mean, went over well. It, it did. It was fun. Yeah. yeah, people asked me about it later because they were listening. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so how? So intentionally, how do you? How are you getting better? How? Are, what are you doing to work at ensuring that you guys are getting better? Well, uh, self-editing, and I think you probably do this in your own work, Michael. Is you know to 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 not settle when you think because I think when I was younger, and a lot of those poor songs that I wrote in the past. I would I would get a chord progression together and then I would just want to throw lyrics at it as quickly as I could so that the song would be done so I could start playing the song. So as long as it rhymed, I was cool with it. You know what I mean? And it had some sort of a, you know, what it fell together in some sort of a vague way. But, 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 but if I, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the ones that are like about heart, heartbreak or whatever, you know, those, those make some sense and, and, and that's cool. But um, I didn't consciously, like, I, I would just, like I said, I, I would get a chord progression together, and then I would, as soon as I could, I'd be like, all right, what can I throw together to finish this song and start working on the next one and just call that a song, and now I've got that song. And Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It was almost, in, it was almost just like doing the work, like checking the box in a way. Okay, that's a song. Or let's go on to the next one. That's a song. And now I would never do that, you know. Now I would, I would, uh, I would, uh, I'll work to make sure that uh, I've got, you know, number one, that, that, that I'm not repeating myself musically. Uh, I mean, I, it, not too obviously. I mean, I, I, th I think in a certain way I write the same song every time, but that's okay because I hide it in certain ways. You what, know? And what do you mean by that? I don't know. I mean, it's just these little, I think everybody kind of falls into a pattern, like uh, either it's a guitar chord progression or just the way you play or the melodies that you put together. But then you, you, you start to understand, like, all right, well, that sounds a little bit too much like A, so what if I changed it just a little bit, either slowed it down or changed the groove or, you know, tricked around with the melody. And a lot of times that can happen even when you're, like, inspired by something, which is a nice way to say that you really like a song, so you start playing that song, and then another song comes out of it. But you don't want it to sound like yeah. whatever, a Lucero song or something like that, you know. And um, so... The, the more you keep playing it, the more it becomes like you, I think, is, 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 is the easiest way to, to say, at least the way it works for me. Okay. You just keep playing it until it sounds like something that you would, you know, you're, you're confident in saying, like, okay, that's, that's me. That's my voice. And you know? do you remember the kind of the, the, when the shift happened to where you were like, oh, oh, okay, this is not good enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this sit, and we're going to come back to it, and, like, for your process now. Um, I don't necessarily – uh, remember w when that happened, but I do remember just being like this. The, 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 I think what it was was, was the, the music that I started to like uh, changed in that I really started to like people um, telling me a story in a song. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. I, I really started to 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 to, to uh, be incredibly inspired by the combination like maybe when I was younger it was just the music it was either just what a cool chord progression what a cool groove what a cool melody it didn't matter what the song was about but then as I got older and listened to more and more music it was the songs that 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 combine the two like have a great melody and are also about something amazing you know that uh you know 
you can think of a million examples of that, you know, just from the Beatles, for example, or, or the Rolling Stones or Bob Dylan. I mean, certainly those guys are all masters at that, but that wasn't something I was aspiring to necessarily, you know, uh, and, and that became, uh, I don't know, it just became the goal is like, how, how can I, how can I, how can I make it better? It was really just as simple as that. I would, I would listen and just be like, how can I make this as good as the things that I listen to, or at least comparable? Right. You know? Yeah, that's the, that's the battle, right? It's the battle. That is. Well, I, I, love, uh, I, love, I love the answer of playing for each other when you're playing to an empty house. And I'm not sure, I'm not positive my experience with as an actor has always been that. But that's such a, I mean, it feels like, like an army buddy kind of thing. It, you know, you're fighting for the guy next to you. And I, I love, I absolutely love that. I think it is like that. Yeah, and, and, and then when you do have people there... Um, it's sort of still like that though, because you, because you've already developed that attitude. You know what I mean. So then it, it works for you when you do have a crowd, because then you're still like, all right, all these people are here. How can I make this as good as it can possibly be? And it's like, well, I need to make sure that I'm locking in, you know, with Kevin, or I need to make sure that I'm listening to what Benji is doing over here on the guitar you know, and giving him space and, and lowering the sound in time for the third, but just all these little things, you know, just all these little things that go through your head, right? you know, just, just, uh, just to make sure that you're playing together, you know, and not just executing a part in your own little world. I yeah. think that's the key. You gotta yeah. be super present, don't you? There's... Oh, absolutely. Do you yeah. have any pre-show routines to help keep you present or get you present? Or how uh, do you guys start off to make sure you're connected? No, I don't do any of that. Um, and I don't, necessarily think we do any of that uh as a group um you know it, it, we talk a lot about this the show that's for sure about like where when songs should run into each other and where and the, sort of the flow of a you know uh making sure that you've always got something around the corner to uh either slow people down or wind them up one way or the other just just to kind of to make the show breathe so we talk about it a lot and then we'll probably talk it to death you know, is that that's probably it. That I mean, I kind of love that. I think we could I could spend two hours just talking about like how you organize like a set list and how you're manipulating and, and yep. doing that. It, it's, it's funny. Lee probably doesn't give one shit about that, but uh, but I but <laughs> yeah. I am a nerd about it and and always have been. Well, kind of like one of y'all has to be right because it, it's, it's incredibly it's important. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely true. And uh, and John is is a nerd about it too now. So it's not just me. Finally, I've got. You know, with the other fellow, I may say finally, they've both, John and Kevin uh, Thomas have both been in the band for, God, six, seven years now. So it's, you know, th th those guys, I can hand that job off to somebody else too. Right. Which is nice. Very uh, nice, actually. So you're not still doing film editing, correct? Nope, nope. I quit that a while back. So yeah. how did that, how did the day job kind of transfer over from, what did you, where did you go from Turner? Um, so. And why did you leave? Yeah, well. I was doing uh, so. I was doing public relations, and um, and using my, my my English major, you know. Okay. And so the, the the Turner job was was actually a night job. Um, so it worked out really nicely for me, in that you could go from one job to the next, and uh, and because I you know I, that's. I was just I have I do have a lot of energy and I don't require too much sleep so I could easily do that just sort of run right into the other and especially because it was sports and this was during that kind of two-year period where you know Lee wasn't here so I wasn't doing a lot of you know I wasn't doing music or anything like that so okay. I was just like you know 
uh, that was sort of my world was I would go to these, uh, I would go to the PR agency during the day and then at night I would go work at Turner. And a bit, but eventually that became unsustainable, especially once we started the band and my nights became, uh, you know, more crowded. Right. And I, cause I kind of had to choose. So what made you want to have two jobs? I mean, were you just like gung ho, like uh, I'm going to get some money well, or the, like, or no, like, well, I, the, the, that's not normal. Yeah. Well, the, 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 um, the Turner job was a great job, but again, it left my days free. Okay. Uh, and at the time, uh, and maybe if Lee had been here, it would have been different, but, but he wasn't, you know, uh, and, and I just, I don't know, it, it didn't, it paid great, but not terrifically great. And so I just kind of wanted to see what else I could do, you know, and see what else I was interested in. So I started, I started doing that and, uh, and I like to write and always have, you yeah. know, and, uh, and, and so it always came easily so um so that was sort of an easy transition to go into but, but like i said eventually that all became too many things to be trying to do you know yeah. so i had to i had to i had to let that go and it's fine because what i realized similar to the uh the gig when i was in college you know they're sort of training you to do that that you know that that newscaster job what they're training you to do down there which is awesome is to kind of go on the road and be part of a production team either an in-house production team or to go on the road like with the nba or or whatever and and, and i quickly realized that 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 wasn't the life that, that you didn't that want I, to do that, that i wanted to, it, really either one you know so so i, I so it sort of ran its course and i loved it yeah but, uh and it was you know but 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 uh yeah, that that's that was the easy the easy transition. And so, what are you doing now? You still have a day job now, correct? I do. Yeah, I, I started my own uh, PR agency, you know, and uh, which is uh, it's called Backbeat Marketing. Um, and good it, name. Yeah, thank you. Thank we got you. all the names out. Get, all the bad yeah, names are I, done. I got better as I, <laughs> as I as I came along, and so like that was an effort to sort of join both kind of sides of my world in that I had been doing the music and I'd started even doing some booking so, some bands uh, for a friend of mine down in Florida for uh, he had started a production company and, and graciously asked me to, to, to help book. Uh, and so I had done some of that and, and really ended up loving that. And so I sort of needed a, a way to, to just have one business. And, uh, and this, uh, th th that's how this, that's how backbeat came to be. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about marketing. Tell me what you've learned about marketing your band, and again, <sighs> yeah. you know, gearing this towards you know uh, somebody younger who's starting yeah. off, and like what what advice would you give them? Well, you know, it's um, that's that, that that that's 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 a tough one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, but this day and age, it, it, it seems like the the best stuff is found. I mean, it still goes down to having good material, honestly. You know, if you've got good material, I think people are always going to find you. But 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 marketing that material, really using that things like YouTube and using the streaming services that allow you to share, you know, your music with anybody at any moment. Um, uh, getting a manager, I think, is would be all as we've talked about. I think that would be a, always a smart thing to do. How does a band get a manager these days? Um, you know, uh hopefully they sort of emerge, you know, like as somebody that um, will come to, you know, if, if, you, if you've got shows and, and we do have one now and it, it because she emerged, you know, and uh, it became quickly 
obvious that she knew what she was doing and was talented and 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 cared enough about the band and the and which is key because they're going to be hearing a lot of the music you know make sure they, they definitely need to like the band yeah that's kind of that's know? a serious relationship yeah so um so that's key you know uh, i think that's that's hopefully one will emerge and you'll be able to recognize you know so their, you put yourself out there you play your music you play your gigs you try to spread as much music as you can and i think so yeah I, I i think so and and like i said editing yourself you know trying to be smart about your bookings trying to be definitely work in a small area and get that area fired up about you before you kind of extend out your area that's probably a mistake we made fairly early is that we tried to go as big as we could immediately and that's not really the way it works you know you really need to start small and 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 just build a little radius and until that radius just continues to be in orbit you know yeah what have you noticed having the manager versus not having the manager how has that changed the day-to-day business operations and oh my god it's so much easier because i just used to do it all so, so poorly you know <laughs> yeah. right yeah. you know because that's not what i do you know so i would just do right. it but no just just little things like um well, I think a lot of us out there don't know what a band manager does. I, we might have an idea, but if you could tell us, that'll that'll probably, probably well, help. certainly just keeping everybody in line is 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 always hard, especially as you get older. You know, we're an older band, you know, and you know, I, I'm, I'm married with two kids. You know, Kevin's got two kids. Uh, Kevin Thomas has two kids. Lee has uh, a, a baby coming in February. You know, John's married. You know, we all have big lives. So just right. kind of keeping all this stuff together, making sure that all of the, 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 it's mostly dealing with the venues, you know, and dealing with the details and the submissions to things, to things like 30A, right. you know, and other little festivals like that and making connections with people that you need to connect with. Um, that, 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 that's, that's like almost, Almost a hundred percent of it, honestly. Just and those people are people who own venues or can book you at venues. Yeah, booking agents, uh, booking agents for sure. Um, yeah, guys that put together and run festivals. Um, guys like Russell Carter is a good example. Um, you know, uh, putting together, making sure that the stuff is all up to date and looks good and sounds good on all of your, you know, your pro, your, your, your certainly all the streaming services and YouTube yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. But keep it on, keep it on top of all of that stuff is, is important. I, I believe. Yeah. That. Uh, what did your manager like about y'all? Like what it was, what drew her? Oh, uh, or do you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, um, we've got a lot of passion. Uh, we've got a ton of energy. Um, you know, um, and I think the material, I've always felt like the material was good. I, I still feel like it's going to, you know, uh, stand up, you know, I've always felt like the, 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 I've always felt like we wrote good songs, Yeah. So, you know, even if, um, there's not, I don't know, you know, uh, the, the, the necessarily like the way you would measure rewards or success or, or maybe not in there, but I've always felt like that, We've, we've written good material and cared about the material enough to, to make sure that it comes across right. And I think that uh, at least as far as Martha, Martha uh, Levy is concerned, um, that was what appealed to her, you know, is that right. we, 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 we would sell it well, you know? Yeah. So what, what is your process like right now as far as writing goes and playing goes and like, how do you divide up your time between dad, husband, yeah. PR, you know, CEO and what else? Like, how do you, 
how do you how do you regiment your time and how do you think of your time? Oh, you know, that is a great question. I, I don't know that I'm all that regimented about it, Michael, but um, I know that um, I play guitar a lot. Um, so generally, what I'll do is I'll, I, I almost always have a song going, if that makes any sense. I've always got, I've always I've always got got a tune going, and if I can go back. Um, to the, the, the so the, the album that we released in uh, 2017 was uh, so um, it, it, it's called the Haraway Brothers and uh, the name of it is the Haraway Brothers wish you love and luck in the world and up until maybe three months before we put out that record I had no idea what the band was going to be what the title was going to be I, I really didn't know but you had said, but if something was going to happen yeah, three months in the future. Exactly. Well, but the, the, as far as I, I had written these songs, because I just had these songs going in my head, you know, and, and I had had this idea of like, I want to write these country-ish songs on my guitar. I want to sing them. Because a lot of times what I would do is in the earlier years, uh, I feel like Lee's a better singer than I am. So I would give Lee my so uh, some songs. Like, here, you sing this one and I'll sing the harmony part. Okay. You know, um, which was which worked well, but for these in particular, they were personal enough that I wanted to say, I wanted to be the one to to sing them because I felt like I was the right one to sell them. Gotcha. You know? um, so I had just you you get a chord progression in your head and then you just start building these stories and so really it would be at really weird times like because um, I I would have it in my head or and sometimes I would have it on my phone but a lot of times I would sort of have it in my head. And it's it's things like when I'm going to bed at night, literally when I'm closing my eyes, of I'm thinking of lyrics. When I'm uh, on a plane, um, sometimes you know when I would be in meetings for different stuff, I would be like, oh, that's a good idea. Be <laughs> this is how I'm going to pretend to pay attention for this 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 mix. And I would you know think of a chorus or something like do that. Do you so, use your phone to write down notes, or do you use a notepad? Use, what do you use? All, all everything. Yeah, everything. Okay. Um, and uh, for that, for that, for that record and for that project, what what I knew was that they were all about me in some way, and that was the first time I'd ever done that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever I'd ever done that, and um, so I, uh, and, and and at some point during the, it was really written in 2016, my uncle Claude died, uh, who's my dad's uh, second youngest brother, and he was the first. He's still the first of those brothers to to pass away. And uh, that was, you know, that was affecting. And so I ended up writing about that. Um, Were you writing about it from, like, your point of view or, like, how it affected the family? Because, I mean, they have this... Kind of a little of all of it. But, but one of it was the fact that... Um, so Claude died and we went... And I was in the... And this was all... All these sort of weird things happened, which is what's great about these kind of projects. Like, um, in that... Uh, I was already writing these records and uh, I mean, these songs for this record. And, um, we went to Claude's funeral super, you know, Lee and I sang at the funeral, very, very sad, you know, um, uh, but we sang John Denver songs okay, and we sang, ask, sang angel band by Ralph Stanley, which we later put on this, this record, you know? Um, but like we went to my uncle Marty's house and uncle Marty's a poet. He's a writer. He's a, uh, uh, psychology professor. Retired now, but that's what he did for uh, his entire career, and um, and he had written a poem about Claude, and it was called Mississippi Kite, 
and he had put it on his uh, just four-year table. And I grabbed it, and, and I was like, Lee, check this out. You know, uh, this is great. And, you know, immediately it was just this maybe eight-line poem, but it was, you know, the guys that do that amaze me anyway. I'm sure they, you know, yeah. poetry is such a amazing thing that these guys can convey so much and so so little just distill it down to the essence right this power pack of every friggin word language is, yeah. yeah and so like later on that night i asked him if we could use it and um he said please do you know and uh I, on the way home i had put it together you know i already had it all together and i don't usually write like that but it was just sort of like the all of the emotions had sort of so i was just kind of using it like that uh and then later i wrote a song called hallelujah which was just sort of about you know the whole family you know and that my grandfather got his teeth knocked out in the rose bowl and you know that our uh you know great great uncle got captured in the confederate army at vicksburg you know like things like that you know yeah that i just never thought to to delve into uh and uh and and so what I wanted to do with all that was just make them again, sort of just similar to those records that I was listening to at the time and just make them really, really simple. You know, going back to my other lessons, I just wanted them to be really simple because they were simple songs, you know? So I really just wanted it to be Lee on pedal steel, me on acoustic, maybe uh, some bass and drums. And that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and so that wasn't the easiest thing to, to get across to the rest of the fellas you know um, yeah tell me about how do you have that conversation uh just kind of by saying like i, I just want to do it like this and see what it sounds like you know it's like and just just being as honest as you can about what what the vision of what you're trying to do right he's like guys i just really want to try it like this i don't know what it is it's probably not a, i didn't want to call it a sundog's thing because i didn't want to leave them out of it right you know what i mean so um so that's sort of through the fact that Claude died and those guys were like the Haraway brothers, those guys were always and probably still are known as the Haraway brothers. They're just the five Haraway brothers from Olive Branch, Mississippi. That so that, that became kind of the, the, the narrative thread. Yeah. Of, so let's just try it, just the two of us. And, uh, and then once we had gone in and recorded it, um, then it became really obvious. It was just that, that how big of a part um, – when we were able to sing together and Lee kind of added all these super cool parts to, cause I, I wasn't sure if it was just going to be, cause it was so personal. I didn't want to like throw anybody else in the, bo in the boat with me necessarily. I was like, well, I don't know. You know, it's like maybe nobody wants, wants to be in here with me. It could just be the Will Haraway record and that's sure. fine. But then once Lee and I did it together and he put all these, you know, tremendous harmonies and his pedal steel is, you know, is, is the absolute sound of the record. You know, I was like, Oh, well that, this is the Haraway Brothers. This is a new thing. Right. You know, so. How often do bands, like, how often do you get together with the Sundogs to, to rehearse or to communicate? Like, yeah. I, what, I don't have, I have, like, no idea. Well, we communicate constantly, okay. you know, constantly. Um, but it really, uh, most of the time, is depends on how busy we are, which is, which is always pretty busy. We try to stay busy because... And when you say busy, you mean busy as a band with gigs, or do you mean busy as people all of with life? No, all, as either gigs or if we don't have gigs, we want to be recording. That's generally okay. the deal. Yeah, that's generally the way we look at it. You know, if, uh, if we're not working on one, we want to be working on the other. Okay, so that means you'll see each other weekly, like daily, or like. Uh, um, no, um, it depends. Like, uh, 
Lee is not as uh, Lee's wife is nine months pregnant, right? So, uh, so baby in February. <laughs> I don't see him as much as I, I usually do. Understandable. Uh, but but Kevin Thomas has his entire recording rig over in my basement, so so he comes over uh, uh, quite a bit, and we'll and we'll work on stuff together. Um, it, it, so generally, there's like a couple members of the band doing something together at any point, in t- probably weekly. Or, okay. Yeah, and then there are gigs that we do on an if not a monthly basis basis almost a month. like there's a gig we do down at uh trader vicks uh down at the hilton it's very cool uh the tiki bar yeah, yeah yeah um so we do that maybe not quite once a month but as close to once a month as as we can oh i need to go to that i've only always yeah. only down there for dragon con and it's, it's so fun incredibly crazy. we love that we love that gig that is such a great gig and it's and it's booked by uh Mike Geyer's sister and Mike Mike Geyer is Puddles the Clown. Oh yeah. As you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also, you know, he's had King Sized, which is a tremendous band. Oh, that's he's what been, I remember. You know, from, just, yeah. a, just a great band. So what do you think the next phase is going to be? Or 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 do you feel a shift musically? Are you still well, in this kind of mode of country ish and storytelling? Um or? Yeah, I think now it's almost like the the, the Haraway brothers these last these things that have happened fairly recently have all really helped and i say that also with the the whole petty thing so uh we started doing those petty shows in 2011 um and really the reason was that um i had heard all about the the yacht rock review guys until and, and until I saw them at a wedding and I realized who they were, I'd known them. They were a band called YOU, and they had all went to Indiana with Kevin Leahy. So that part of that whole Indiana contingent of music people. Okay. And so like immediately when I saw them, I was like, oh, that's you know, that's 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 I Mark, know these guys. That's Mark and, and and Pete. Yeah, you know, that's Nick. I know those. So what did you? Dudes. Well, let's just pretend nobody knows about Yacht Rock. Review. Yeah. Tell what did you heard and and tell me a little. Well, you know that that, that, that they were this funny group that did uh, covers of yacht rock tunes, quote unquote yacht rock tunes. You know, uh, Christopher Cross and Hall and Oates. But it wasn't any of that. Like, sure, when you're in a band and you see something like that, like oh, whatever, cover band, sure. But when I saw them and I saw them at a wedding and I was pumped, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to be the band. That's going to be a good band. I've been wanting to see these guys. Great. And within like. 30 seconds of their very first song, which I think was Night Fever or whatever by the Bee Gees, I totally got what they were doing. The material didn't matter. It was them. It was the, that they were awesome and that they were awesome together. And they were just, you know, it was like they were just a great, great band. And so the material was, was it was great. Mater- I mean, you know, this, I love those songs too, but it, that didn't have really anything to do with it. It was just the way that they were performing them. Yeah. And so as far as I was concerned, I was like, well, we got to get us some of that. You know, I want some of that. And so it was like, all right, what can we, or who could we do that we could put that sort of passion right, behind? It fits our, our yeah, things. And also not get tired of it, you know? And uh, it was pretty obvious that we would do Petty. Yeah. Uh, because we covered tons of Petty anyway. And they were a band. You didn't have, because we had tried to do like the Stones at one point, but you got to have a Mick is the problem with doing the stones or we, that's why, you know, you never see a really good stones. Cause you gotta have a Mick. 
Yeah. You know, or you don't really ever see a Black Crows cover band because you got to have a Chris. <laughs> right. Even Rich doesn't have a Black Crows cover band because he, I mean, he, some would argue he does, but, <laughs> right. but he doesn't have a, well, okay, maybe he does have a Chris now, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> yeah, we don't need another conversation. Yeah, n- n- whole nother conversation. But anyway, like, so it was just like, that's a guitar based, you know, melody band that doesn't do jammy stuff. That's just, you know, like. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Right. So, uh, so that became a really nice jumping-off point for us, and also helped us with our songwriting because when you learn, you know, thirty-five petty songs, you, you start you start to take on some of those characteristics. At least when you're thinking about writing a song, and you're like, you know, should I put a bridge here? And then you think back to one of his things. It's like, don't put a bridge in the song if the bridge isn't better than the chorus. Yeah. So okay. it's like, all right, well, if it's not. Okay, well, that's that's not, so it doesn't need a bridge. Right, don't put a bridge in just to have one in there. Yeah, exactly. Don't just do it just to do it. Make sure that every back to intention. You know, make sure everything has an intention. Yeah. Yeah. So that was helpful um, because it got more people to see the band. It got the, it got us in bigger venues, and we, but we were really only doing it once a year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that, 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 that helps with just – overall momentum and energy around things that we do that that because we we don't do that very often but when we do it it's always super fun so that became helpful and then this whole Haraway Brothers thing became helpful too because again it was just a different sound and it and it enabled us to sort of bring in some just some different ideas and now I think what we want to do is sort of merge the two mm. you know and and a lot of that was I, I think Lee's at least most expressive instrument is is the pedal steel guitar and uh, so doing some more things um, where uh, it, it, it's just a more versatile band because the, the Sundogs is a, you know, straight ahead rock and roll band pretty much, you know, because it had gone from it was a country band. Now it's pretty much a straight ahead rock and roll band. Right. So now it's almost like we want to shift back the, to, to be able to go back the other way a little bit into mm-hmm. some of that alt country and singer songwriter stuff where you can get super quiet you know, super, super quiet where, and then all of a sudden explode into this big, this big energy when she, you know, um, those are my favorite kind of songs to, to, to hear and to do now. You yeah. Know? So that, that, I think that's what's next. And we got material now we're working on it. You know, do you label it? Do you say like, okay, these four songs are going to be like in my, in my head, you know, these are for the next album. Or, yeah, for sure. And do you talk about that with the band or is yep. it still like in the head for a while? Or? No, uh, we'll, 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 at least I do, you know, I'll be like, I got, I got six or seven of them whenever you guys want to hear them, yeah. you know, I, and, uh, and generally Lee will have, you know, Lee's more judicious about his writing. Um, but, but he's, he's usually got three or four, but his three or four are normally among the best ones because he's him, he's him. <laughs> and then John's always got, John's got a million of them. So it's really just a point of just going through them. And do you still get nervous when you present a new song to the, to yep. the gang or no? Okay, yep. Good. Always. That's What's, that's probably the most nervous. I really don't get nervous about playing music yeah. anymore, but that, that part is still nerve-wracking. Do you all have rules for uh, feedback or like a method that you guys use? We don't or? really need them because now nobody's going to nobody's gonna shit on anybody else's song, but they will provide. <laughs> yeah. So different than actors. Right. <laughs> well, maybe other bands do, but we would never or do writers. that to each other. And, and yeah. to the point now that we all do like each other's style, you know, yeah. So a lot of times the, the criticism comes as more of a suggestion, you know, like what if you tried this, you know, or I love that, but what if we did this yeah. and here's my idea, 
and then that becomes part of the conversation and that becomes part of the process and that's what you're after anyway yeah you we know? use uh as far as you know my theater company we use like a formalized kind of process that started in dance and that's it's like pretty a good for us the liz lerman technique because it got to be where one um you know the writers would maybe not be prepared to handle the feedback either positive or negative right or two like we just everybody just you talked for you know six hours <laughs> right like, you know and like the playwright's head is filled right you know it can't it's even too much take to deal anything. with yeah yeah but I kind of I wish that we did not have to use this you know four step process. But well, it's, I think it's been helpful for us. The fact of the matter is, is we're all we we are really close. I mean, we are brothers in a you know in in a, in a very real way. Uh, they we are they they are my best friends. You know, so it's like as your friend, th there is that part of it, and that's I think that's fine. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily, but you want to be able to not have it be a bad product certainly or a bad song right that's so what you do is instead of saying michael that's a bad song <laughs> you yeah. say here's what i like about it yeah and here's what i would change about it yeah and hopefully the other person i know that i am like i'll throw the song out there and then i'm just like all right bring it on you know yeah. that's as far that, this is my idea of what do you think and then but yeah. I, I haven't ever had a moment where they haven't come up with something that I that, that I thought was a better or at least as good of an idea, and be like, oh, that's great, let's use that, you know, and just start running with it, and that's yeah. the fun part. So, what would have to happen um, for you to? I guess you don't have to drop your day job, or the nah. rest of them they have the same kind of thing. Like, yep. could y'all do a nationwide tour if you had to? I don't or think do so. You want to? Nah. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, what would have to happen? I mean. A million things, I guess. Yeah. But uh, so it's not on the radar screen. No, I mean, I, I mean that's, that's fun stuff to to dream on. You know, um, it, it is. Uh, I guess what that's kind of what I'm asking is, do y'all still dream? I could. And what is that dream? Yeah, now? I do, and, and I could see doing more stuff like, but I, but I never try to think like too, too like huge. Uh, I, I think about like, boy, it would be fun to do a European tour. Boy, that would be fun because I know that that's doable. You know, right. like I know people that have done that. I know who you call to get stuff like that done. I have a pretty good feeling that that would work. You know, like people would like us. You yeah. know, because again, what we have going for us is that we're always we're always pretty good. So that <laughs> so that's helpful. You know we I mean? don't suck. <laughs> yeah, that's and if nice and if we're losing suck. them, we can always throw in a petty cover. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, so things like that. Um, you know, things like th there are certainly things like uh, getting other people to record your songs. That is something that I, I dream about um, getting uh, songs in movies. How does that how does how do those things? How does that happen? Networking, yeah. you know, um, just knowing the right knowing the right folks. Sometimes um, there's a service that I work with that just sends you opportunities and it'll be like this and i think and what this one is is, is a lot for advertisers honestly or, or mm -hmm. sometimes it'll be for a pilot you know uh you know or a t for a tv show pilot or, or, or something like that or a movie script and they'll be like they need a song that sounds like this and so i'll go through what i recorded output and be like all right well i think this sounds like that right and i'll send that in submit that and that will get as far as it gets and uh and then you'll hear back you know 
Uh, and then we had one time, which is probably as close as we got. And the, again, it kind of shows how the the, uh, the whole how how odd the whole process can be. Was that my uh, my cousin got married in New York in uh, 2016, and me and my whole family went up there. And um, a, a, a friend of the family who went to college with uh, both of my cousins, who both went to Ole Miss. That's running theme, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and his name's Tate Taylor, and he did uh, the Help. When she, you might, I'm sure you know. He, yeah. he was the director of the Help, and the director of Get On Up, which is a just terrific James Brown movie. If okay. people haven't seen that, uh, and I don't think a lot of people saw it. It's an awesome movie. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, who's the Black Panther, is James Brown, and yeah. he's fantastic. I mean, he's great, and the he's music scenes in it are great well, because no, yeah. the music scenes in it are great because Mick Jagger is executive producer. Oh wow! Yeah, so like it's just a it's a great movie, one of my favorite movies for music, anyway. Um, so I met Tate at this wedding, and we were just kind of talking about what he was working on, just the way two guys would talk about what they're working on. And I knew that he had done all of that stuff, and I thought it was awesome, and wanted to talk about Mick Jagger, of course, yeah. you know, and about that movie and the making of certain parts and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just asked him what he was working on. And he said he was working on, uh, the book girl on the train, you know, if yeah. you remember, um, and he turning that into a movie and I was like, well, great. Can I write something for it and submit? And he, and he was, you know, like people do polite Southern gentlemen will do. Sure. You can absolutely <laughs> yeah. write something for it. Right. You know, but uh, I looked at it as a fun challenge and immediately came home and told Kevin Thomas about it because Kevin uh, is really into recording and has gotten really good at it. And I was like, hey, let's do it. Let's 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 see how far we can get with it. Let's let's see if, you know, put together a song, make it sound as good as we possibly can and send it in within a couple of months and see if it can get a shot. Right. And uh, so I wrote the song. Uh on a train, which is embarrassing to say, on the Marta. As I said, I, I tend to write in par- fairly weird places. Yeah. But I tried to look at it like, I tried to write it like Bruce Springsteen would write a soundtrack song. That was 100% because he's the best at that, or one of the best. He's won like a couple of Oscars. So how, like, what does that mean? Simple. Okay. Simple so. tune. I read the book. You know, it's an airport read. That wasn't a big deal. I read that in, you yeah. know, whatever, a weekend. Read the book. Thought it was a cool book. And then... Just trying, again, not trying to get too fancy with it. Just like find a, a, a cool, easy chord progression and then sit down and write some lyrics that, that matter. And I, I, I tried to do all of those things. Uh, played the song for Kevin. We recorded it in a very like distinctive way, you know, the, sort of an emotional way, intentionally. You know, to kind of try and make it sound like one of those songs. Right. And, uh, and then co- sort of got all hands on deck. Got, you know... A, a, a drummer in town that wasn't even the guy we normally work with. And I think we, I think Kevin sent it to him and, uh, he added the, you know, added the drums at his own studio. My friend Bradley Cole Smith came in, uh, great guitar player, listened to what I was doing on guitar or attempting to do. And he was like, I see what Will's trying to do. And I think I know what he wants. Is it cool if I do it? And he's like, Kevin's like, you cool, is you cool if, he redoes your guitar part. And I was like, yep, <laughs> sounds great. 
And so he kind of redid you that. you just wanted to be the best it could be. Of course. Right? Yeah, so. I can't have, you can't have ego about this stuff. Are these guys willing to work on spec for something like this? Uh, or, oh, yeah. Or, the, the, everybody was on board with it. Yeah, that was the thing. It was like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. You know, just we're, maybe this is pie work. in the sky. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. And, and if, if not, it we'll have a great song. That if, we've, if not, we've it'll be together. a cool song and it would have been a, a fun little experiment. Yeah, and it's not that. costing you anything but time and effort. You know, and – and so he did that in an afternoon, and that dude put the drum part in an afternoon. Lee came over and did pedal steel part and harmony, you know, no big deal. Kevin really worked with me on the singing to the point where it became the way that I sing now. It honestly, that was during that, that whole experience that changed the way that I sing, which was amazing. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, because I've been used to, to shouting in rock clubs for years and pushing my voice to the top of its range to be heard on a shitty PA. And uh, he told me not to do that anymore. Basically, yeah. he's like, just sing it, you know? So it's almost like you just, you just want to concentrate on the way that your voice sounds, especially at the very top end of it. And you can really create something really pretty out of it, you know? And so, like, throughout that whole Haraway Brothers record, that's the way I sang. And it started with that. Oh, that's fascinating. That's yeah. really cool. It started with that. It was like, it, 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 I'd never done it before, and it was because he had a wonderful mic, and he, and he had a great way of criticizing me in a way that made me do it, you know, uh, it, a helpful, cri constructive criticism at its finest, you yeah. know? And so, I, and he gave it to, probably the biggest thing was he tried to mix it and gave it to me, and I was like, man... Why don't we go ahead and give it to like, let's give it to a real, the, the most professional mixer we know, which ended up being Ren Vinson here in town. Is just and and Ren took it, and again, amazingly, was just like, hey, I'm gonna do this just because I think it's a cool song. He simply is like, this is a great song. I'm gonna do it. No shit. Yeah, and and so he he made it sound amazing. I'll never forget because we were actually on the road, again, weird stuff on the road to Claude's funeral when he emailed me the, the file and I put it through the speakers of our, of our uh, infinity and we're listening to it. And I was like, Holy shit, that sounds great. You what, know? Does a, what does a mixer do? I mean, I think what I think they do is they take the different individual parts that yeah. have been played and recorded yeah. and then bring them all together yeah. and push them in a, and push them together in a way, in, in a way that, that, that fits. And, it's 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 a real art. There's magic there, right? It's a real art. I mean, it really is. Like about the this, the way the frequencies lie, and the way this the guitar sits in this uh, spot, and you don't want that to interfere where the voice is over here. And the voice is king. You want the voice to be the main thing. And the drums are you know the drums are such a big part of it, and they have to be at a certain point in the mix. It's like I said, it's it's. The, the best at it, they get paid very well for it because they are great at it, yeah. you know, and because that's what makes a difference in all of your favorite records, you know, and mastering too. It's a, there's a reason why if you go back through all those great, like, 70s records that you love so much, a lot of those Stones records and, you know, Zeppelin records, they are mastered by this guy named Bob Clearmountain, and it's because he's got the best great, ears, you know, and it's, it's, it's about ears and taste and ability and it's amazing these guys. That's, anyway. all, that's fascinating to me too. Yeah, how un, how how hidden that is. Right from yeah. the general. I'm sure the, like the stud music lover knows it. Right. Yeah. But like somebody like me, you know, doesn't quite get it's that. It's a. It's a. But it's the same as like you know whatever like a cinematographer or you know. Uh, yeah, good editor. You know, a really good editor. You know, those guys that that win the Oscars that nobody sees. You know. Right. <laughs> before the before the broadcast starts. Yeah. 
But anyway, so we, we took that and I sent it in within like a couple of months, you know, uh, as I, as, and, and then we sort of followed it along for about six months, checking in with them. And we would hear different things so like, would you personally shoot an email or was your manager checking? in? No, I, um, it, this was pr- pretty often just me, yeah. you know, and it wasn't with tape, but it would be with his assistant, a PA, you know, cause he's obviously, a, you know, he's busy making oh, a yeah. movie, yeah, yeah. you know, and he would, he would be like, Hey, everybody likes it. It's, it's in consideration. And then at one point um, they were like, it's in consideration with, but uh, the other person they're considering is a song by Adele, which was like <laughs> super it, uh, it was inspiring on one level and then depressing on the other. It's like, it's like, oh, we're not going to win that, guys. You know? yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not going to, it's not going to happen. Did he tell you like what part of the song, like what part of the movie he wanted the song, or do we? We never got that far. Okay. You know, we never got that far. But uh, but when the movie did come out, that uh, well, it, he told us at the end of it, he was like, they decided that they're not going to have any song, so they didn't use anybody's song. So they went with if you've seen the movie, like sort of a nor or if I'm pronouncing that right, a noir soundtrack. Yeah. It's like sort of a, it's just a, a mood setting type of a, almost an orchestral right. score type of a thing. Um, and uh, if you watch the movie, uh, I will say it would have been pretty cool at the, just at the very end. But, uh, but right. you know, that's, that's not the vision that they were going for. And that's, again, back to what we were talking about. You just, sometimes you just got to hit the right person at the right time who's thinking like, you know what, this would be exactly what I need for this emotional part of, this show or movie or whatever right but but i love that y'all did that because i i mean i don't know this but my presumption is that you know seven out of ten would have had that conversation would have had five more drinks that night would have fantasized about it going to bed and then would have done nothing that was what i thought very little with that opportunity and i'm talking to myself well that's what i i I, I will say that played into it and, and and that may have been a little bit of me really because i i thought that i was like i guarantee people say that shit to tate all day long you know every, every person that he meets says something similar to, i was like but i'm gonna deliver on it he's yeah. like you know we're gonna deliver on it because i'm he knows both of my cousins and uh you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna show him that we can do this you know yeah. so as far as that you know it, it's part of that another one of the things you know sometimes the reward is just in getting something done that you're proud of, and and we, we got something out of it. That that song is on the record, yeah. You know, and it's a I, I'm proud of the song, you know, and everybody that worked on it loves that song. So, you know, maybe it'll have a second life in some other way. Who knows? That's the thing about it. you. You put these things out into the world. The whole point is just, God, I just want people to hear it. That that I think it, you ask me like what we want, what I want. Yeah. Honestly, I just want people to hear this stuff. Yeah. That really is as simple as that. I, you you want it to get out into the world whether they like it or not, honestly, to be like, just to, just to hear it and to be like, you know, maybe it'll find a way into their daily life. You know, maybe they'll, uh, if they're creative, you know, maybe it does find its way into their work or whatever, but at the very least we'll have a body of work that we'll be proud of. Amen. You know, well, there's a fine line between masturbation and, you know, and, and sex. And right. that fine line is just one other person. So, like, you know, if one other person digs that song, you've moved from masturbation to sex. Like, the, the bar is it's fine. Like, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's an easily hittable bar. Yeah. But, but shows like the one we did for y'all the other night was super fun. Like, I can see doing that for the rest of my life, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah. And I'd be fine with it. You know what I mean? I would. Uh, and... Uh, 
you know, just continuing to write songs, uh, continuing to get better, you know, continuing to do more and better gigs. I think if you keep the goals small, you know, I think that's that 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 will that'll keep you happy. And you concentrate, and which is what you're doing is concentrating on the process, and you're concentrating on the things that you can control. That's right. You know, we control whether we get better by how much time and effort we put into things. That's right. You know, that's 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 definitely it. And I think I think that would segue nicely <laughs> into talking about what you and I are are proposing to do. Or yeah, what we're going to do. We're going to do. Um, do you know I. I love talking about this stuff and I could do it for hours and hours and hours and I'm going to get to because, um, you know, let, let's just call it. We're doing uh, the origin story podcast, but it's going to be the origin of some artwork. Yeah, exactly. It could be some songs and it's going to be hopefully a book. Yeah. So, uh, yes, for sure. So uh, I'm going to take you through my process of writing some of these songs uh, and some I think we can we can start with some that have been written, written very recently. I think that's a great way to start. I'm honestly right in the middle of one that uh, I started on last Saturday because it just happens like that, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through my process. I, I woke up the other night with lyrics in my head and I got up on the laptop and wrote them, and that's how it starts, you know. Um, and we'll go through that, and, and I'm super interested in hearing about your process for writing for writing everything you do for writing your books and yeah we can compare notes and how you know how hard it is (laughs) yeah you know and i think it'll be helpful i know it'll be helpful for me just to have another uh person who i know that are slogging away i mean you know theoretically they're out there and you know right but it's nice to be able to talk concretely about the abstract the abstract yes yes the the little things that go into this whole process are 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 it's, you, you never quite know what's going to be the thing that inspires you. That's for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, so look forward to that. We're going to figure out what it is and start recording those soon. And But hopefully, it'll be, again, it'll be a body of work. You know, hopefully yeah. it'll be entertaining. Hopefully there'll be some, you know, nugget somewhere, either something we do right or wrong. Either, yeah. Either way is good. Well, we'll get you over to, from my, from my part, we can get you over to my little studio in the basement, and we'll just start going through it, man. I think that sounds awesome. And you awesome. can do the same thing with me. Well, it's been over two hours, and again, I could do this all day long. Me too. But we're going to get to. So, Will, just thank you so much for being here, for doing this. I'm excited about our collaboration. Thank you for playing for the party. I love the work. Thanks, man. I love your shows. Appreciate uh, it. Why don't you tell them about it? Because you got two shows coming up in the next few weeks. Yep. Um, we're doing a show that's going to be pretty similar to the one we did. At, it's going to be a Haraway Brothers show at Eddie's Attic. Awesome. Um, yep, and we're play- which is one of my favorite places. And we're playing with uh, one of our favorite songwriters, Chris Stalkup. So he's going to open the show, um, and he's also a storyteller. Um, and he, he'll do, you know, uh, some of his tunes. And then uh, me and Lee, and we'll have our, uh, our rhythm section that we use, uh, Will and Avery, who are actually a, a couple, which is – they're an engaged couple, which is very sweet. Oh, that's cool. We call them the rhythm section of love. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're very empathetic, and they're really good players. And uh, so – but we're gonna, you know, th- that kind of a show where we we, 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 we laugh, we talk, we, we, we hoist a few beers, yeah, uh, interactive kind of a thing. Uh, but uh, you know, just um, getting to the heart of the tunes for sure. That's cool, and I've got my tickets to that, so I'll Thank be you, there. Sir. So come join, come join me. Thank you. Sir. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. You know, I want to talk about the process, your set list. I want to talk about how oh, you yeah. make that. I want to talk about individual songs on for it. Sure, man. 
um, and give like give you guys an inside glimpse on what it's like to you know produce and do one of these shows. Yeah. And you guys are going to Athens also? Yep, we're going to Athens next Friday. We're going to go do the Petty Show at the uh, the historic Georgia Theater. Oh, my God. Yeah. Have you played the Georgia Theater before? I have. Um, we did uh, – there's a group that we play with on and off uh, called the Last Watts Ensemble. Okay. Uh, Based on the movie? Or no, the well, kind of, yeah. Okay. Just Dylan and band songs. Okay. And we, we played there maybe – 10 years ago so it's been a while it's certainly not the new this was when it was still before it burned down right you know so but we played there uh but but never like as the sundogs you know just just playing with somebody else's group so so that's gonna be it's gonna be pretty righteous man it's oh gonna be God, it's gonna be, be pretty cool so much fun yeah. to road trip too yeah can't wait so that's gonna be fun and um yeah uh bringing the show to those fine bulldogs up there there we go yeah exactly well, awesome, brother. I appreciate the time. Of course. Thanks for being here. Anything else you want to leave the people with? We'll connect. Uh, everything we mentioned will be in the show notes. There'll be yeah. links to it and all that. But uh, any other th- message you want to impart? Nah, man. You know, like I said, keep it simple, baby. All right. That's the, I think that's good advice for everything. Let's leave it there. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Origin Story Podcast. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.